more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Well, we're off to a riveting start, as per usual, on this Saturday morning. This we're having well, as good, Drew. We're having as good a start as the Winnipeg Jets were last night. That's right, exactly. Oh, this well-oiled machine that we call Legal Curve Hockey churns on. Certainly, no, uh, no, no warning signs. There's nothing flashing on our on our dashboard saying uh, you might want to pull over and see if the engine needs to be uh, lubricated or anything like that. But good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba, and for all those joining us live this morning on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms. We say good morning universe and welcome to the illegal curve hockey show. Maybe I think maybe I'll bring back the NHL midweek intro. We can play that one next just for the hell of it. You know, and Helly, we Let's trust is asking for a third intro here. A Drew, third so. intro, just, just random intros. This will just keep, you know, for the next two hours. Yeah, we don't need to talk about the jets. We know what's happening with the jets. We'll just keep doing different intros over the last uh, 14 or so years. How about wow. that? That would be, that, that would be a good, uh, a good show. I think. Yeah, I would agree with that, Drew. Yeah, let's do it again. Let's, let's. Well, we need to wake up. Obviously, the Jets weren't awake for the majority of that game, so we need to wake up again. I've got my coffee here, but uh, yeah, it's all good. Let's go. We have lots okay. to talk about. Let's go. Let's go. Exactly. Lots to talk about. We say, uh, I am Drew Mandel, your host. Dave Manuk in the top right. Ezra Ginsburg in the bottom middle. All our friends are here in the chat room. We do appreciate you joining us on this Saturday morning. Well, we only have four friends between the three of us, so that's not a lot of friends, right? Doesn't matter. Friends are friends. You don't have to. It's not about the quantity of friends, Mr. Ginsburg. It's about the quality of those friends. That's what I say as well. Yeah. And, and the quality of I don't. I say, quantity. I say quantity. You say quantity? Well, yeah. that explains Dave the likes quality those of your relationships, Dave. Yeah, I like yeah. superficial relationships, but but lots of them. That's good. There you go. Look, everyone's got their own uh, their own strategy. Everyone's got their own game plan. Everyone what do you think YouTube to... bozos are? I, I acquaintances at best. I know that. Uh, you know, hey, Dave, I might of, be a bozo, but I, I prefer the term. I prefer when people ask. I'm like, oh, they're more like frenemies. Frenemies. I also totally reasonable arch, uh, you know, arch enemies, things like that. I like it. It's, it's, it's well, all. Spen we know Spencer's a friend of ours because not only did he like added a great show topic he managed to segue us for at least a good five ten minutes talking about ice cream last night yeah ice cream and bridges that was what you missed on last night's illegal curve post game show you didn't want to miss much more because the jets absolutely of illegal curve yeah the jets absolutely stunk it up in edmonton as we talked about uh last night we'll talk about again this morning uh the trade deadline obviously you know we touched on that yesterday uh you know now that we sit here sort of another you know, it's more in the rearview mirror. You know, obviously the the intensity of the day, uh, you know, can maybe cloud judgment or it can cloud opinions. But as we sit here now this morning, having had a good night's sleep or at least a night's sleep, whether or not it was good or not, I, I couldn't tell you one way or the other. It was asleep. You were. It was asleep. Exactly. You know, ha, ha, has not that your opinion would have changed about the Jets' approach, but do you maybe understand the thinking anymore? from their perspective then you know walk a mile in true north shoes can you see a mile well uh, okay As you walk to the Bailey? fridge walk to the fridge in true north shoes how about that yeah you know can you maybe understand their approach any more than you could last night or is it still sort of as befuddling as, as we thought it was is it still as you know incomprehensible as we thought it was is it still this team just doesn't seem to be on a path to anywhere right now because that's sort of the feeling that i still have i went back and i was watching chevy's press conference uh this morning 
just to hear it again. You know, you, in the fog of war, maybe you miss nuance, maybe you miss aspects of it, or maybe things are interpreted slightly different. To me, it's still an organization that is lurching with no ultimate game plan because if the goal is just to run this back again next season, I don't know how that makes you any further ahead than you were than you are uh, you know uh, yesterday. You mentioned befuddling Drew and the incomprehensible. Like I, I don't. I, I mean, those are pretty strong words. Like I, I just don't think he acquired as many players as I and many people thought he would. Right. And like, it's not that he didn't do anything like Nino Niederreiter and Vladislav Nemestikov is not nothing like, and you know, like nothing would have been acquiring depth forwards that are more suited for the Manitoba Moose. Right. Like, so this whole notion that he didn't do anything is, is not true. There's a big difference between not doing anything and not doing enough. I've been saying this for months now that the Jets need another shutdown defenseman. I'm not the only person. I'm sure that the Jets were, you know, making some phone calls and talking to other GMs, other teams, right? So, like, to me, that was the most disappointing, that you didn't augment this defensive group. Like, I like a lot of the personalities and the players that the Jets currently have. We know Josh Morrissey's having his career year. Brent Dillon's having a better year. I think Dylan Stamberg has established himself as a third-pairing defenseman. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays tonight at Canada Life Center. Logan Stanley was not good. I'm not sure why Stanley came in for mm-hmm. Dylan Sandberg. I'm not sure if there was an injury, but as far as I'm concerned, Sandberg is ahead of Stanley on the depth chart right now, boys. But getting back to the, the trade deadline, it's not confusing to me, Drew, because look at, I don't think, I don't know how many players, like how many players were out there, guys, that would have, you know, given you those Paul Stastny in 2018 vibes, right? Like, I just don't know how many players there are out there. Like, would it have been nice if the Jets acquired Max Domi? And would it have been nice if the Jets acquired Jacob Chikrin? I, I don't even know if adding those two players would have put the Jets into the Stanley Cup contender status. I think they're they're much more than just one or two impact players away. Well, you, you talk about Jacob Tr- Chikrin as he okay. Let's talk. You know, you, let's mention him because you know you talk about an impact player. That's an impact acquisition. That, ch- that you know. The, yeah, but he's the, also he's not Roman Yossi. He's not you know like he's not Victor Hedman. He's a good defenseman, but I feel like. You know, we've hyped him up to the point where, like, it's like Jacob Chikrin is a top five defenseman in the NHL. No, but he would have I don't improved. I think he's anywhere close to that. But he would have improved the Winnipeg Jets. He, he would have, absolutely. But I'm saying he would, like, what are we talking about here, right? We're talking about making improvements or, you know, I, I just a think Stanley he... Cup contender. I just don't think, look, if Jacob Chikrin was on this roster right now, would we say the Jets are a Stanley Cup contender? I would not. But just the, 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 the message that it sends... Dave, to the fan base and to the dressing room. It improves your organization. It doesn't just improve your organization for this year. There's term on that contract. It improves your your organization moving forward. And it doesn't have to be Chikrin in particular. So just for, you know, forget about the specific name. But just the message that it sends and the ability to go out and say, Yes, I'm good. I'm not mortgaging the future because the price that the senators paid is not an unreasonable price in my estimation. It would have been higher for the Jets. Just worth noting, though, it would have been higher for the Jets. Okay, so maybe it would have been higher for the Jets. I mean, we, you know, maybe it would have involved a roster player. Maybe who knows? But the it just, you know, the team is always about half measures, and that's when. And this was a year when a half measure wasn't sufficient. That this no, needed. A- if you, I agree with you. I mean, the reality, Drew. I think what you're getting towards is that if you were going to commit to this this core group, yeah. and you're going to commit to trying to win basically for the next two years with this core group, 
then you have a responsibility to augment it in a way that shows that it's going to overcome its deficiencies because the Jets just don't have enough depth. We've talked about this as he's not wrong. The fact is that that's what we were thinking the Jets were going to do was try and provide this team with the depth they've needed to, you know, have some score, more scoring in the top six, maybe have some more scoring on that third line. And like, as he's not wrong to have more depth on D. And I think that's one of those situations where they needed to, you know, show it to the fans and show it to the, because I mean, I can understand that you're in a slide. I mean, the funny part is it's not like a slide is like five games. I mean, this has been, this is 30 games guys. I mean, the jets are what 15, 16 and one in their last 32 games. So, I mean, well, they've also like... only won six of their last 18. And last time I checked, that's 33% of, of their games. Have, have been... Right. So that, but that, my point is that it's not as if, you know, I, I guess what I would say is I don't think that Kevin Sheveldayoff came in with a plan and in the last three games said, oh, well, now I can't do it because these guys have, have not been succeeding. It's, you look at the body of work for the last 32 games. I mean, Ezzy, that's like three months. That's not that's not an insignificant period of time. That's essentially half the season because we know the Jets went 29 and one to, to you know in the first 30 games. So we know that their second half of that frame of time is terrible, essentially. So you know, you do have to wonder, well, one, if if you're the GM and you recognize your team is on a slide, you have to do some sort of hard analysis. And I think. I think the problem that the fans have, and I don't want to speak for everyone, but I, this is my conjecture, would be that nobody likes being no one like it's like what are my lying eyes not telling me? Like everyone in this market pays attention. They wake up with us, you know, on a Saturday morning. They go to bed with us at two in the morning. They they pay attention. They come to the website illegalcurve.com. The fact is, everyone knows what's going on with the Jets. So you're not going to tell them. You're not going to spoon feed them BS and have them be like, oh well. He said this, so I automatically believe that, you know, that's what is happening with this market. Because the truth is, people have been watching this team, again, for the last 32 games, three months, sliding, sliding. And again, you can arrest a slide after five games, after 10 games. But the mediocrity that folks have been subjected to watching for the last few months has been has been significant. And again, like I said, so if you're Kevin Sheveldayoff, you knew that. And you either have to give a frank assessment and say, listen, like... And I understand. I understand it's hard to sell. It's under, I understand that you know it's hard to try and get fans in the seats on a Tuesday night uh, to when it's cold to to watch a hockey game when the team is middling. But I just think it's a better. I think the Rangers approach when they did that retool. And I'm not saying the Jets are needed to do that. I'm just saying the approach isn't the one that I think. And I think that's what struck so many with the tanner of uh, yesterday's press conference with Kevin Dayoff was it was kind of like he was trying to sell people a false bill of goods and. Folks are like, uh, well, no, we're not. We're not buying what you're selling. Right, and you're 100 right, boys, and Dave specifically here. And I think when when you look at the Jets, and and you you mentioned fans and you know observers from afar and everything like that, like it's no you know surprise that the Jets have not been good the last few months, right? You mentioned it; they've won, uh, you know, six of their last 18. They've been 500 for the last two and a half, three months. Like, but I think fans right now would assess this Jets team as it's probably good enough to get into the playoffs but we don't even know if they're going to be good enough to beat a team in the first round, regardless, regardless if it's Colorado or Dallas or, or Minnesota. I think that's, you know, maybe I'm wrong here, but I think most Jets fans and people, observers of this team, including us and Winnipeg Sports Talk and Kenny and Rennie would say, yeah, like this team has enough skill and they're underachieving, but like, do we really think this team is built for a long playoff run? Like I mentioned this last night, the one player, and again, you know, it's a moot point because Matias Ekholm was traded to the Oilers. 
But that is one player where you mm-hmm. can put in that defense in, in the top four on the left side. So now your left side is Morrissey, Ekholm, uh, and Brendan Dillon. And then obviously, you know, Sandberg probably becomes a seventh defenseman. But to me, that makes your defense now one of the better defenses in the Western Conference. I don't know if the Jets were in on Ekholm at all or in on Chikrin at all. But I mean, look at what Edmonton had to give up. They had to give up Reed Schaefer, who's a really good prospect with the Seattle Thunderbirds. They had to give up a first round pick. But the Oilers identified the open Western Conference and the fact that Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, these guys are having, you know, career years. Yeah. seems like every year they're having a career year, but the, but Kenny Holland identified the need to bring in a left-side shutdown defenseman, and he had to also give up Tyson Berry, obviously, who's more known for being an offensive-minded defenseman, right? So that is the type of move that I would have been excited as a fan if Chevy went out and got an Ekholm or if he got, you know, a Colton Pareko. And we we obviously know Colton Pareko has a high price tag, but the point is to, to what Dave was saying I don't think that there's a lot of confidence. Like Niederreiter and Nemestikov are good veteran NHL players. They, they are an upgrade over what the Jets currently have, but I don't think it moves the needle enough that you're going to say if the Jets go up against the Dallas or Colorado in the first round now, they're locked and loaded and they're ready to go. Let me let me read you this quote. You don't know where the future is going to go on a lot of different fronts, the cap, contracts, injuries. But one thing about this game is when you have an opportunity, you should try and take it. As a player, you hear stories of players getting so close and never achieving their goal. The would have, could have, should have of things at the end of their careers. If they had the benefit of hindsight, maybe there would be different things. Those are the kind of things that you never want to, as a player, never want to leave on the table. You know who said those words? Kevin Dayoff. That's his quote from January. He's talking about the need to go all in when the opportunity is there. And then what does he do? He doesn't go all in. He doesn't do what his own mouth Well, said hold on, do. Drew. But then what does that mean? Again, what it, no, no. Maybe what it means is he doesn't have the faith in this group to in, get it done. He, when he said or, that, or boys, sorry, Dave, or Drew, I was just going to say, or he struck out on the players he was trying to acquire, right? Like that's a thing that you have to consider here. I don't know, necessarily know. Like Chevy's, you know, Chevy spoke to John Lou during the intermission. He spoke to the assembled media yesterday, right? Dave M was there down at Canada Life Center, right? We we don't we don't know. Like he's not going to tell you that he he could, I guess, but he's not going to tell you if he tried to acquire a defenseman. That's just Chevy won't tell you no. that he that he was trying to do that. So all I'm saying is, I think there was an it, it appears that there was an effort to to acquire more players, including a defenseman. That's what that's why I would say based on reporting by others, right? I I, I don't know that there was, Ezzy. I mean, I appreciate your your opinion, and that and and well, the- no, it's not just my opinion though. Darren Drager and both Darren Drager and Andy Strickland said that the Jets were, tr- and obviously we know where that is coming from. Let's right. not kid ourselves here. So again, but- you don't get credit for how you don't get credit for trying. You know, oh, well, I no, but all I'm saying, all I'm saying is, I think that's what that, all I'm saying, Drew, is I agree with with both of you guys. I think the Jets should have acquired more impact players. All I'm saying is that we can't, based on the information we have, we can't just say Chevy didn't acquire, didn't intend to inquire any other players. That's all I'm saying. There's no proof to for that. It's just speculation. Well, yes, okay, fine. The, 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 yes, it, it is speculation. Nobody is quite sure. But in my books, you don't get you don't get a a good grade for just trying. You have to, and I agree, and I agree with that. Drew. You can pay a hundred percent on board with that. You have a fan base. I mean, again, you have you have a ticket buying public that wants that that needs a reason to continue to buy tickets for your product, and you've not given them one. 
And so what's going to happen is your numbers in attendance, unless they turn this thing around, are going to go down. There were 2,100 empty seats on the uh, against LA, by the way. Yeah. It's not like it's just a small number. It's yeah. the number is because people are saying, why would I go out and support a, a, a losing product? When you have to do something to get me into the building, why would I, and you didn't, and you're not playing well, and the entertainment dollar isn't the, and the, 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 the you know, the, the, the entertainment I'm getting out of a night out at your establishment. And this is true for any business. A restaurant that isn't any good is not going to have any people there. You know, a, a hockey unless, team. Unless people or, like eating bad food, I guess. Well, a I hockey team, know. a football team, a baseball team that is not any good and isn't giving you a reason to support them is not going to have as many people there. This Jets team is in a free fall. It's not a short-term thing. I mean, go back since January the 15th, I believe is what I had. January the 15th. So we're almost at two months. The Jets are the 28th best team in the NHL. And it's their start. The, Dave mentioned the, the first 30 games where they won, they were 29 and one. Right. That's the only reason they're still in a playoff spot. Of course. Right? Like it was the, it was the first third of the season that has allowed them to remain in a playoff spot. If they had, you know, six or seven less points, well, they would be where the flames are right now. You know, so you, so you've done nothing to indicate that this is going to change. It's not a small sample size anymore. It's almost half of the games you've played. You are exceptional for half the games you played. You've been pretty terrible for almost half of the other games you've played. So now you're just, what, going to hope that the switch flips again like it did? Then you become exceptional again? I just don't see that as a hope is not a strategy. Yeah. You know, hope is not a business approach. Hope is not going to get people in. Well, I've done nothing to improve my food. But I hope people are going to come and, and support my business. Well, again, it's up to the – sorry, I was just going to say, Dave, now it's up to the players. Like, uh, like it's a cliche, it's obvious, but it's up to the players. And it's up to the star players. So we're talking about Shifley and Connor and Ehlers, Wheeler, Dubois once he comes back. Right, Dave? Like, Nino Niederreiter and Vladislav Nemestikov are going to help, but the Jets have 20 games to get this thing going, and it's their core that's going to be – the, the the it'll be whether or not the Jets get into the playoffs and do anything, it'll be on the core. It's not on, on anybody else. It's the core of this team. That's right. And don't forget Connor Hellebuck. You're going to need him to be. Yeah, and, and, know, and I could have thrown Hellebuck again. in there, but I, I mean Hellebuck has been terrific. Maybe not so much the last couple of games, but the reason why I didn't throw in Hellebuck in there, Dave, is because I don't think anybody's questioning his performance. No, I agree, but I, I just think like I think it's interesting. Like I was just you look at the numbers to start the season and now, and, and it's just like, it's like, it's just, it's funny because the Jets are still generating fairly similarly. They're just the, 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 the luck, the, the, the shooting percentage has gone down. And I think that's part of, you know, I mean, it just, it happens now again, I'm going to go reiterate the point I made earlier, which is it's one thing if that was five games, even 10 games, right. but you're at 32 games now where you've become, you've gone from an exceptional team, an elite team, if you will, boys. And look, I, 29, I, look, I, I know, I well, no, it, I know it's because they were, I know, I, I understand that, but the, yeah. but the reality was that you know they were getting exceptional Vesna caliber goaltending from Connor Hellebuck, which we've always said that it's one of the things the Jets need, you know, game in and game out is Connor Hellebuck to be who he is. I mean, 
you can think about how many games so far the Jets wouldn't have won without, I think, four or five games at least that I can think of this season where he won them the game, obviously most recently in New York. But the fact is that I, I, I do think it's, you know, again, I, I don't want to, I don't want to reiterate the point too many times, but I just think that you've become, you are what you are. And, and 32 games is a big enough sample size to say suddenly you've gotten, and we, I mean, Ezzy, how many times did we talk about this in the, throughout the course of the early part of the season, the first 30 games where I said, well, you know what, the good thing for the Jets is even if you didn't play a great game, you bank two more points. I mean, honestly, we probably said that half a dozen times in games where they maybe didn't even deserve to win, but they got the win through Connor Hellebuck or, or one of their other guys stepping up. So, the, but, the, and we said that, we said, okay, well, you know, that's good for your standings bank. I mean, you can go back and we would have the clips, you know, on, on so many of these post game shows or the post game show, Drew screwed me up with the post game intro. But I think that it's interesting because again, now you're in a situation where you're winning one out of every second game and you're not even actually, but you know what I mean? Like, so the points has nosedived and unfortunately for them, fortunately for them, the teams that are around them have either continued to elevate like Minnesota and Colorado or the Calgary's, which have, you know, been middling as well. And that's probably the only thing that's saving the jets right now, because it looks like, look, like, like Vegas, they're doing well, Seattle, they're doing well. I know they lost last, last night, but Edmonton, like the teams in the Pacific are doing well. So the only, the only luck for the jets is that they banked enough points that they're ahead of Calgary, you know, and Nashville, Mm -hmm. but again, continuing to perform the way they did. I mean, there was, how many times did we watch? I don't want to, we obviously did the post game show, so we don't need to talk about it too much. But like, how many times did we talk about that first period and just the laziness and Rick Bonus? I mean, it was a short media availability because the only media there were Jets related media. But I mean, like, he talked about this. I think he said the comment was something like the long lines of it was the most undisciplined team he's ever seen or something like that. Like, yeah. it was terrible. I mean, in a game that and the Jets aren't a team that takes a lot of penalties traditionally. Yeah, well, I mean, and I think it's it just... I'm just saying over the last few years, I mean, remember, we all remember four or five years ago, that was an issue, but it's certain you wouldn't you wouldn't look at... I, I would have to pull up the team penalties. I don't know exactly where the Jets rank. I don't really care. Well, they're PKs. That's why, it, that's why it's, it's surprising that Bonus said that was the most undisciplined game that he's ever seen, considering that he's coached 2,600-plus NHL games, right? Well, I, yeah, and just finish, I'm finishing the thought. It's, look, I, I get that you have the second best. I didn't want you to finish your thought there, Dave. <laughs> That's okay. You can finish it. accomplished. But I think, I think no, I'm still, I'm the still on the tangent. Taken the, 15th, the Jets are middle of the pack, 15th in terms of number of minor penalties taken this year. Okay, go. but the point is that they've got the second-best penalty-killing unit in the NHL, and that's great, but again – how many chances are you going to give the Edmonton Oilers who have the best power play in the NHL? And you just, you, you start from a deficit and it's just, again, guys can't afford to do that. Cal Connor needs to be putting pucks into the net, not putting himself into the penalty box. And, and it started there and it just, it set the tone for, for a first period that was just undisciplined by Winnipeg. And you saw what ended up happening. So look, um, the jets are, I think you used to use the word free fall, Drew, but like, I think right now they need to, they need to arrest their development because, or they arrest their fall because right now it's it's just not going to be good enough for them to you know back end into this playoffs because they had a good first half. Well, let me ask you guys this: Let's say that this this free fall continues, and and for argument's sake, we'll even say they they squeak into the playoffs, they lose in the first round, and and they're done. You know why? They, what they, happens they, in the 2024-25 season, Drew? 
Well, I mean, I don't know what happens there yet, but uh, there's no. Well, I was just joking because you were going so far into the future here. Well, but I mean, it's not that far in the future, Ezzy. But I understand what you're. No, where no, the, no. I, I mean, I don't know that that would be a joke per se. That would be maybe just a comment. I mean, it, it was lacking in the funny uh, category. But yeah, that okay. wasn't funny. Yeah, but you know, there, there's no reason to run back this co- this group again. They'd be one year closer to unrestricted free agency for most of the core players. Why would you run it back again? It, no, you know, I mean, if it if it blows up, Drew, they're gonna they're gonna have to make major decisions uh, this summer. I mean, and and the reality is, your be- your best opportunity is to get to re- to recoup assets would be you know ahead of the draft in in the summer. So that 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 to me is a is a non factor. Summer twenty twenty three, Dave, could yeah. be what a lot of people thought summer twenty twenty two was going to be. Right, where Dubois chance. is moved, or Wheeler is moved, or Shifley is moved. Maybe all three guys are moved. Like it's you time can- to to move on from the current core. I think. If this continues, there's no question about it. But I also don't know why Kevin Sheveldayoff should be the one to rebuild this roster again. I mean, with all due respect. Well, he's got two years left on his contract. That's why, right? But that doesn't mean, you know, that's great. That doesn't mean that he automatically, uh, you know, needs to play, you know, finish out that contract in the current role. There's just no reason to, you know, he's had 12 years to build this team. Now, whether or not he's you know solely responsible for building the team, or if the owner is heavily involved, or you know the scouts are heavily involved, which the scouts should be because that's why they're getting paid. But no, who Chevy's, actually is it's Chevy's team, Drew? The, the pro scouts are consulted, but Chevy is the general manager. He's the one who has built this team. It's being yeah, it's built by Kevin. He's the one who stands in front. He's the one who gets paid the most to stand in front of the media and deflect their questions, which again is fine. That's you know you know, and if and there was the, a lot of deflecting yesterday. That was well, some look, of the most deflecting I've ever seen. And if it's the organizational uh, you know philosophy that you know all he needs to do is deflect and not actually answer questions that his paying fan base would be interested in hearing. That's their choice. That's their business. They get to run it however they want to run it, but then people will respond accordingly if they don't like the the answers they're getting. You know, my you know, I went to the restaurant, my food sucked. I went and spoke to the manager. The manager didn't really do anything to offer me thing. He just sort of placated me and I went on my way and I didn't get in and I didn't go back to the restaurant again. The analogy works all over the place no matter if you're talking, you know, professional sports or if you're talking a, a small restaurant, a small diner. It works the same way. Whether or not True North decides to change their approach, time will tell on that front. Scott Billick of Post Media, the Winnipeg Sun, he's up next this morning. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Hopefully I'll play the right commercials after I played the wrong intro. It's Saturday morning. We're live on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms. Bottom of hour number one. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show on this Saturday morning. I'm your host, Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk in the top right. We're starting a crowdfunding page to get Dave a plant or something behind him uh, so that it looks less like a hostage scenario. As he's got a plant behind him, so that, that crowdfunding was successful. We add Scott Billick to the show. Scotty, do you have a plant behind you in any, no. in any room? No, no, no plants. I don't bother with the greenery vegetation. I don't need any of that. So you don't need any of that photosynthesis. None of that. No, no, no. You don't make friends with salad. I got like a big light beam coming in on me this morning, though. I do. So yeah, that's, that's a good. good. But yeah. uh, and I got I got a rolled up piece of carpet behind me. Uh, a light with a bunch of press passes <laughs> over the years. What's with the carpet? Is there, a bo- is there a body in there? Are you doing some renovations? What's going on? No, it's, it literally, it's been there probably for about four years and I haven't moved it. So okay, it's uh, it's just part of the furniture now. 
That's good. That's good. Have you tripped over it before? No, no, it's out of the way. Um, Oh, okay. If I trip over that, there's probably uh, uh, something, uh, an intoxicant, I suppose, involved if I I was to uh, hit that. So, yeah. Anyway, (laughs) Dave does need a plant, though. I mean, he looks like he's... uh, he looks like know, he's I, in like, a where are you, Dave? Like, he like, looks at the, like he's at the American border, and they're just holding him. Holding him <laughs> so right he's, in a, he's in a holding cell. I am. I am. I've been. It's nice before. that they gave him Wi-Fi and a computer, though. Yeah, <laughs> they said. We said. Nice. We they said we understand you have you know the number one show in Winnipeg to do, so we'll uh, we'll let you, out you and have some time there. Dave, but... what, what's it like to be in, at Guantanamo Bay right now? <laughs> Uh, well, it was okay. You know, they, 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 unfortunately they, they, I thought I was getting a shower. It turned out to be waterboarding, but other than that, it's been, uh, it's been a rather pleasant experience. This is off the rails. What have I joined here? Are we talking well, Scotty, the, the problem is yesterday, we, yesterday's post game show went so far out. We were talking about bridges in Winnipeg and ice cream. So, uh, things went, things went. Chat okay. roulette, Scotty. That's what this is. Chat roulette. I mean, the game was pretty bad. So, I mean, I don't yeah. know if you wanted to talk. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to talk about bridges, ice cream, I guess, yeah, go for it. So talking mm-hmm. about uh, things being pretty bad, I think for a lot of people, the Jets trade deadline would be considered <laughs> pretty bad. I mean, you know, yeah. it, it, I it's sort of funny. Thank you, Ezzy. It's sort of funny because, you know, every, you know, people say, okay, the Niederreiter move made sense. People like that because, you know, logically yeah. on paper, that makes perfect sense. It's a reasonable move for a reasonable price. Domestikov, sure, he's an NHL player. It's not really going to impact people one way or the other. It's one of those, okay, fine, I can, I can live with that. It's the... I think as I, as we've been talking about for a lot of the last you know uh, twelve hours or so, or even longer than that, it's the half measures of it all. It doesn't seem that you've actually accomplished anything in terms of bettering the team. It's just you've more re- you've more sort of rearranged uh, the deck the deck chairs on the Titanic. Yeah, I mean this is. Uh... I, yesterday was uh, it was a I don't know, what do you want to call it? Do you want to call it a dark day for the Winnipeg Jets? One of the lowest days since they returned um, uh, from Atlanta in in 2011. Like I mean, I, I don't know where you want to start with with yesterday because there, I think there's a lot of you well, know the, the peculiarities of it all. I mean, just it, the, it, the... It's, it's 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 yeah, it, it's an odd situation because you have a team that next year could look much much different you have a goalie playing at a Vesna rate right now I mean you know you can look at last night's game and say oh you know you can pin it on Hellebuck again nah. Dylan DeMello passing to uh whoever it was Nugent there Hopkins. Uh, Nugent, Hopkins, Nugent yeah. Hopkins you know that that was a perfect give and go with the wrong player um you know and yeah you know, so so like you gotta wonder like what are you wasting here? And, 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 and it's a lot, right? Like, are, are you, so you're wasting the prime of one of the best goalies in the NHL, one of the best goalies of his generation. I mean, you look at his stats, you look at his numbers that, you know, they all suggest that, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have one of the better goal scorers over the last six, seven years in Kyle Connor. Um, you know, I, I, I just, you know, and, and then, so, you know, this team hits a rough patch and I understand, like, I get it. I get that, you know, the argument that, you know, some people think that, you know, this team didn't show that they deserved an investment. Um, I would argue that this team for the first, <clears throat> you know, 50 games this year, almost 40 games, let's say 45 games, whatever, um, showed market improvement from the year before. Um, was dealing with injuries very well, 
was dealing with, you know, adversity in game very well. Um, you know, th th this team looked very connected, very uh, together, um, you know, throughout the first, you know, yeah, 50 games of the year almost, 45, whatever. Um, you know, the number doesn't always matter as much here, right. but it, it's it, it's just like, you know, there's two sides, right? Like, I can understand why the organization was a little bit hesitant um, to, to maybe, you know, spend its, its, its draft capital, its prospects, that sort of thing. But then, you know, Kevin Shovelev comes out yesterday and said, well, there was no barriers to any trades. Like, he was willing, you know, he said, essentially, to sell, you know, nobody was untouchable. Draft picks weren't a problem. Um, you know, there were, you know, I, I thought it was really odd that he said there was no opportunity to move his first round pick this year. <laughs> I mean, if you look at first round picks this year, they're the most coveted things in the NHL. Um, so, you know, it, it, it is like you said, half measured and, and, and that's what it, it felt like a letdown yesterday. And I get there's a, there's a, there's a segment of the fan base that thinks, you know, why reward this team? But I think you reward this team for what it did, like the conversation that you got to that you're talking about going all in with this team is because this team went out and and, and on the ice and 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 proved that they were at one point a contending team. Well, um, I mean, Scotty, I, I read so, the quote earlier, uh, you know, from <clears throat> January, you know, in Buffalo when Chevy met yeah, the media. I mean, I was sitting right in front of him there. Yeah. yeah. It's his words. It's not words we're putting in his mouth. They were no, his words. I, I, I totally get it. Right. And, I remember him saying, you know, if this team deserved it, they would go all in. And and so then when he comes out yesterday and said that, you know, well, the six and at that point, six losses and seven didn't make didn't change anything. You know, if we're gonna take that at face value, and I, I don't believe him, um, obviously, <laughs> because he also said that if the if the team was on an eight game winning streak, he would have done it the same way. I don't believe that either. I mean, <clears throat> there's no way the team's on an eight game winning streak. Um, you know, first of all, they're in first place most likely. And secondly, they might have a good cushion on first place um, in the central division. What are you going to do? Not go all in um, if you're the first place team that's streaking, you know, into you know down the stretch. So like, it, it just felt like a lot of the same yesterday, right? It's like you know we want to we want to make sure we don't mortgage our future. We want to you know it's just like it, this team is they've kicked the can down the road over and over and over again, and and you know it, we're twelve years into this. This team has gone to the playoffs four times. It's been to the Western Conference Final for five games. It hasn't been past the first round, you know, more than once in, since since that season. And, and they, yeah, they got past the first round and then got swept out of the playoffs. I mean, you know, <clears throat> last year they didn't have a playoff game. This team hasn't had fans in the building that weren't, you know, basically selected as healthcare workers for free to go to the games since 2019. Um there's just 2,000 fans fewer in the stands every night this year on average than, than there ever been. This team doesn't sell out games anymore, or rarely. I mean, I shouldn't say they don't. They've done it three times this year. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, it, it, I think it's tough for the fans because I, I think fans, you know, wanted to see – I think a lot of fans wanted to see something. But then if you're not going to do something, then what are we doing here? Like, you know – should they have traded Pierre-Luc Dubois yesterday? Should they have looked at Mark Scheifler, Connor Hellebuck, and said, okay, well, you know, then maybe we're going to start moving you guys out. Because 
you know, at this point, where is this team going with this core? What's going to happen next season? I mean, you're going to get now into a playoffs. You're going to probably limp in. Um, Calgary might Maybe. still pass you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Calgary might still pass you. Nashville might still pass you. <clears throat> well, Nashville's Nashville. got three games in hand, and they're only six points right. back. And, they, right. and, and they're selling. <laughs> right, exactly. And so, you know, unless this team can figure it out and turn it around, and, you know, there's every chance they can do it, but they're running out of games to do so. Um, you know, making up seven points to get to the Dallas Stars is probably almost impossible at this point. Um, you could probably still finish in second place. I don't think that's out of the question. You have a big game against Minnesota this week coming up. Um, but if you don't win that, <clears throat> you're probably out of the running for the Central Division because I think Calgary or Colorado, sorry, is probably going to win the division, I think, in the end, um, the way that they're going. And so now you're fighting for a wild card spot. You're going to play you know, one of those teams in the first round, Colorado, potentially Dallas, maybe, um, yeah, you know, Vegas, yeah, or Edmonton. So now you're wondering, like, are you even going to get out of the first round? And then, so now you've taken this approach where, you know, and some people will say it wasn't as wide open as it was in the West, but, you know, I think the Jets have shown at times this year they can compete with every team in the Western Conference. And and then you you don't really do anything to kind of set yourself apart or 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 make yourself better. Like I mean, you know what 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 was missing last night? I think you know this team talked a lot, and and, and we in the media and all the insiders have talked to this team looking to to add a, a defenseman, perhaps a guy you know with some grit or some Stanley Cup experience, mm-hmm. something like that. I mean the Jets got blown out last night. They had terrible defensive play. I mean poor puck management. All the same problems. I mean, yeah, they they they, they traded for Vladdy uh, Nemestikov. Um, but, I mean, I don't think anybody watched that game last night and said Nemestikov is going to come <laughs> in and fix everything. Um, and so then you wonder, you know, but that's the thing, right? Then you wonder, okay, well, maybe this team is just, you know, a lost cause, right? You know, this team has been, you know, they've ignored some of the problems with this team for a long time. Um, <clears throat> they've ignored... Um, some of the, uh, let's say, um, you know, question marks in the core. Um, and, and so, you know, they haven't fixed that for years. They, 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 they keep trying to make this one work, right? Like they want to make this core work, but then again, they don't also really, you know, take the measure or take the steps to make it work because it's always kind of this half-assed approach at, at trade deadline where, Okay, well, we'll get this guy, um, you know, but we, we didn't take the big swing to get, you know, that guy. You know, like there, there's, 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 you know, this year, I mean, we, you know, the, the Jets were linked with Jacob Chikrin and, and Timo Meyer at one point. We know that the Jets were in on Timo Meyer, but they didn't take the swing there. Um, <clears throat> could, it, could they have gotten him? Probably if, they, if, they, if it was, if all they needed was a rental. Um, but again, you know, I, I think about the players in that dressing room. I think about the Kyle Connors who came out and said, you know, we need this team. We want this team to go all in. Um, you know, you think about the, the Josh Morrissey's who said 100% when asked about if he wants the team to go all in. You think about those two guys, their futures are sort of, you know, probably some of the longest commitments to this team right now. Um, you know, does Josh Morrissey in the prime of his career having a Norris season want to be staring down a rebuild? I mean, can this team retool on the fly? <clears throat> are they going to get, you know, uh, uh, player for player? You know, are they going to get PLD for PLD when they trade him? Are they going to get Mark Shifley for Mark Shifley when trade him? Like, you know, it, it's pretty. Are they going to get, you know, 
a world-class goaltender for a world-class goaltender when they trade him? Like, I, I don't think so. And and so, you know, where where does where does that leave this team after this season? Um, you know, why why would Connor Hellbuck ever want to resign here? Um, that's the other question I have. I mean, here's a guy who has given everything to this team, bailed them out many, too many times to count at this point. Um, and I, if I was Connor Hellbuck, I'd be mad. I'd be I'd be pissed off right now. I'd be I'd be I'd be like, what is happening here? Like I I've given everything. I, I'm one of the best goalies in the world. I mean, you've got to be a bit selfish here. Um, you know, I'm one of the best goalies in the world. He's doing, uh, you know, he, he's stolen games for this team. Yeah. The, the, the defense has never really gotten much better in front of him. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, it, 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 yesterday was a very tough day for this team, and, and I think it exposed Kevin Sheldale's lack of ambition um, for this team, his lack of decisiveness um, for this team. And, and, and it brings into question if he's the right guy to do the job. Um, and, and I think a lot of people are growing. There's a growing segment that would rather just see a fresh set of eyes. You know, I know Paul Maurice said this team needed a new voice. Um, it might need a new voice and a fresh set of eyes in the GM seat because we're 12 years into this. This Jets team is going to limp into the playoffs at best. They might miss it. If they miss it, I think Chevrolet has gone regardless because, I mean, <clears throat> at the end of the day, this is a business and the Jets need to be playing in the playoffs. They need that gate. They need that revenue. Um, and, you know, if you, they miss it, what are they doing? Were they waiting for Rutger McGrory? Are they waiting for Chaz Lucius? I mean, these, you know, this team could take another five years to to kind of figure it out. And and what are we, are we on another five-year plan around here? Uh, I, I don't know. You know, like I understand. Like I totally get that Kevin Shoveldale has a very difficult time in this market trying to do his job. But that's your job. Like this is what you signed up for. You know that this market's going to be tough, and you have to find ways to be creative. And so, when there is guys on the on the trade market that don't have any clauses in their contract, yeah, those are the guys the that, has a clause. <clears throat> though exactly, and those are the guys that you have to get here, right? You have to outbid those other guys. Then you might have to pay a little bit more. Whatever you got to do. And but we know we have a very conservative general manager here. That's 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 not always willing to do that, and 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 you look at the trades that he's made throughout the years, um, at trade deadlines. It's always been, you know, in in, in like look at the Nino Nero trade. We think it's a great trade because it was only cost the Jets a twenty twenty four second rounder, so they didn't even send a pick from this year's draft, which is you know uh, being called one of the better drafts in in, in quite some time, mm-hmm. you know. But that's the thing, right? You you what what it's so it's such a risk adverse approach to general managing that yeah like i mean it's it they, the trades and, and and all that all the moves they look good at the time um but but at the end when you look back at them it's like yeah okay but they never took any risks right you look at the toronto maple Leafs right now you look at the boston Bruins, the new york new jersey devils new york rangers they're all taking risks right it may not pan out if there's those are four teams one of those teams may not even i mean not even one of those teams may not even win the stanley cup but I think in, in, in Toronto right now, you're if you're the fan base, you're happy. You're happy that your team has gone out and gone for it, right? Um, and here, is it, are you happy? I mean, there's people in the chat right now. Are you, are you, are you fans? Are you, are you happy that this team has sat here and kind of sat on its hands through another trade deadline? 
even the, hap- I, even the happiest-go-lucky player, Scott, or happiest-go-lucky fan, is just questioning. You know, the, right. the, you're questioning the approach because it doesn't. There's no logic to it. I mean, you know, if you just want to there break isn't. it down by a logical perspective, you you can't say that this makes sense. You know, at all, and that's the problem. Yeah, I mean, you exactly. You can't make sense of this. You, I don't think you can look at this and 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 build a, a logical argument that doesn't, you know, miss some of the some of the context of what's about to happen in this city in terms of you know your contracts and all that. And if you watched Kevin Shovelayoff's press conference yesterday as a fan, mm-hmm. I'd be interested to know what you think because I I don't think I I don't think that this team. I don't know if it was fair to the fan base yesterday. Um, it almost came across as a little bit arrogant at times. Um, condescending, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, I think I, I think this team wants... I, I think this team has is, is gotten to a point where, you know, it, it's too comfortable for a lot of these people. I mean, Paul Maurice essentially had to fire himself um you know <clears throat> are, are, is this team willing to even you know contemplate firing kevin shovel day off i mean yeah i understand he got an extension it, it, it's a four-year extension i get that so it came after um the the 2021 22 season i believe right There's, no the 2020 21 season that they gave it to him but they didn't announce it until the after the worst year and the only reason it got out is because ken we reported it and then you know that they were upset that 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 even got out because at the time it was um, during the Kyle Beach thing, and of course that was you know really bad optics and also bad optics that this team was coming right off the worst season since they returned here. Um, but you know I just you know this team has often rewarded mediocrity with um, you know more mediocrity and you know so you're at a you're you're at you're at a crossroads here and I think you know if even the most rose tinted colored glasses fan can look at this team. Yeah, you might be happy just to have an NHL team here. You might have gone through <clears throat> the, losing the team back in 96 and all that, and you're just happy to be able to go and watch hockey. But are, do you want to just keep going to watch hockey that kind of just middles around in the, you know, in the murky middle all the time and doesn't really you know, commit to contending or you know, you're just hoping to catch lightning in the bottle? Um, I, I don't know. You know, like I, I don't know. I, I you know, Scotty, it, it, just just one more sorry, just uh, just one more question on the trade deadline, and then we can get back yeah. to the Jets Oilers games. Pardon me, game tomorrow. Pardon me tonight, if I can get it right. Is there one player out there that that you really thought would would catapult this team? Like, I think you know the, you could argue the Jets are only one or two players away. Matthias Ekholm to me fits that bill. Yeah, I mean, as a player that would really help the Jets defense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, he's a solid defenseman, right? I mean, I thought maybe a Jacob Chicken Chickering would have would have helped too in 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 the way that he can. But you know, I, I understand Jacob Chickens, you know, has some injury concerns and that sort of thing. Um, you know, did you look at Colton Pareko? Uh, you know, right right hand, right shot man who won a Stanley Cup. I understand that's a tough contract to absorb. Um, <clears throat> given the term on it, but you know, this is also a team that likes term when, when they get players. Um, it, it's a good question, right? I mean, could, could some one player save this team? No, I, I don't think there was one player, but I, that's the thing. I mean, you know, you look at what the Toronto Maple Leafs done. I think they brought in six or seven new players, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so they've, they've really turned over the team. Is it going to work out for them? I don't know, but 
you know, sometimes when you have a lot of holes on your team or you're just looking to upgrade, you upgrade as much as you can. Look at the Bruins. Um, I mean, the Bruins, a team that, you know, can't lose. And, exactly. you know, they don't stand path. What do they go out? They go out and they get Orlov. They no, go out and get they Hathaway. Get... They go out and get Bertuzzi. Yep. I mean, and, and, and I get it. I mean, and then there's other teams too. Like, you know, let's not make a mistake. You know, think here. You know, Kevin Chevrolet came up yesterday and said, you know, well, I mean, you look at Cap Friendly, this team has $3.4 million remaining in cap space <laughs> that they never used. And, his thing was, well, performance bonuses, calling people up and down and all that sort of thing. You know, it's Cole Perfetti getting performance bonus. Like, we don't know performance bonuses, what they are, what they're at the hit. It's part of their contract. We don't see those parts of the contract. Nobody reports it because nobody knows. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's Cole Perfetti hitting his performance bonuses when he's not going to play the rest of the season. Is Morgan Barron hitting his? Um, is Dylan Sandberg hitting his right now? Um, you know, so yeah, you have to have money, but here's the problem that I have with that whole thing before you say any of that stuff, you know, other teams get creative and find ways to navigate that, right? The, 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 everybody thought it was kind of funny that the Edmonton Oilers got the Nashville Predators to keep 4% of Matthias Ekholm's contract. Well then, you know, yesterday it looks genius because how much gap space does the Edmonton Oilers have right now? Not a single penny, yeah. right? And but they, that's and because... They, 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 they get exactly, right? So. You know, I think when you look back and you take a step back and you look at what the other players, the other GMs are doing, and it's not just the Julian Breezeballs, right? It's the Ken Hollins in Edmonton that's finding a way to make it work. Um, if you go back to summer, and I know, you know, in hindsight, it hasn't worked out in Calgary, but, you know, Calgary faced a tough summer and got, you know, at the time, a lot of people thought was they retooled on the fly and, and made it work. Then you go and look at, you know, we've said, oh, I've said, you know, I've criticized Pierre Dorian in, in Ottawa. So look at what that team's doing. I mean, you see a team in Ottawa, which, which isn't a traditional, conventional market. Not everybody wants to play in Ottawa. We know that. The owner, um, before he passed, wasn't, you know, the most popular um, guy out there. But, you know, you're looking at, at these other teams in Canada that, I mean, outside of Toronto and Vancouver, and even Vancouver is a tire fire right now, but outside of Toronto, where a lot of people, you know, want to play, it's obvious. But, you know, some of these other markets that aren't the most favorable places, Ottawa's finding a way to get players in. They're taking advantage of no trade clauses or, or no clauses and contracts and all that. And they're building a team that's going to compete. Um, you know, the Jets had done that early on, but then it's just been, okay, we're going to ride this core until it goes. And the core is obviously, you know, they're, 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 it, it's just not working, but they, they've never really moved anybody out of that core that they, they haven't really been forced to move out of that core. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they are trying to go and go. And this year, another one, you know, we're going to try and do it again, the one last chance. But then your one last chance with this core, you go, you step into the trade deadline and, and you don't do anything really to, <clears throat> you know, move that core along, shake it up maybe a little bit, whatever you want to say. So again, yesterday was a, yeah, like I said, it was a tough day. It was a, it was a half-assed day again, I think in my opinion. And, and, and I think the angst that you're seeing, whether it's in your chat, whether it's on social media, I, I mean, I imagine, you know, tonight, I mean, if the Jets go down five, nothing, there's going to be a chorus of booze at Canada Life Center again. You know, like, you know, I think fans are showing their displeasure and the, and, and the fact that they're 2000 fans short every game. Um, you know, people want this team to do like this, but this is also a business at the end of the day. And this team bled a lot of money during the pandemic because of restrictions and all that sort of thing. And, and coming out of it, they haven't gotten back to the full house, um, cause they had some pretty bad years during the pandemic. And so, 
Yeah, it's it 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 it, it, it was tough to wrap my head around what happened yesterday. I think for a lot of people, they don't know. And then, and, you know, after Kevin Shoveldev spoke, you're, you're you're sitting there like, what did I just know, hear? What, what's really going on here? Like, I mean, what what is the what is the vision? What's the ambition? When we asked Kevin Shoveldev what the vision was after the season last year, and hmm, we hummed and about you know Stanley Cup and blah 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 playoffs and all that. Um, but you know, they haven't made a commitment to winning a Stanley Cup right now. Um, and you know, so you're looking at a team that unless it catches lightning in the bottle. Um, probably isn't getting past the first or second round. And that's just the way it is right now. Scott Billick, our guest on the Illegal Curve <clears throat> Hockey Show, Saturday morning. We're live on YouTube. We're live on all of our social media platforms. You know, Scotty, we could talk all day long about uh, trade deadline and whatnot. But, yeah. you know, I, I want to talk about the some of the personnel decisions right now with this team. Because if you ask me, one of the players who's, you know, excelled this season is Dylan Sandberg. And sure, his game still has some warts. <clears throat> but, and I'm not asking you to be the head coach, but to me why are you taking Dylan Sandberg out of this lineup and replacing him with Logan Stanley, especially after I know that Rick, for a trade. <laughs> well, especially after he asked for a trade, you know, or Chevy pop, couldn't confirm say, or deny that. Dan. He couldn't confirm or deny it. That's true. But, uh, but you know, and look, like Rick bonus often says that kind of, and look, it's not as if Logan Stanley would have said to Rick bonus, I want to trade, you know, that's oh, of course not. The agent agent and Kevin Shell yeah. layoff talk about. So, you know, and then leak out to uh, meet other media you know, markets and it gets out. But the point I'm making is, you know, you've got a guy in Sandberg who seems to be excelling. If you look at the analytics, his analytics have been very strong this season. So why is it that, you know, I, I like it's funny how um, Rick Bonus will say, well, you know, we don't want to keep guys, you know, sitting too long. Well, Kyle Capobianco played what? Four games for the Jets? Five yeah. games? So I understand that. And But the reality is the NHL is in a developmental league. And I can understand the idea of platooning. But what are your <clears> thoughts? Like, what, why, why, why is it that it's Dylan Sandberg coming out of the lineup when guys like Neil Pionk, are the ones who are really struggling right now for the Jets. And I understand left side, right side. But, you know, as Nate Schmidt has showed us, told me numerous times when he got to Washington, you know, the left side was full. So what did he do? He went to the right side and he learned how to, to the right side. Went, went yeah. to the right side and learned how to play on the right. I'm just saying it's just it's a question mark in terms of how Rick Bonus is choosing to kind of <clears> cherry pick who he quote rewards and who he doesn't and why he says it's you know it's a it's a across the board approach, but really you see Neil Pionk who's not having a very good season yeah, and he's not, there's no, there's no pullback <clears throat> with him and a guy like Sandberg, who's having a very good season there gets pullback. Well, I mean, I think you're probably not going to be sitting your $5.8 million defenseman very often either. Right. I mean, that's, that's just not really how it works in the NHL. I mean, you know, guys struggle all the time, wherever you are and you're not really sitting big money tickets guys. So like, like I understand, you know, the idea of that, but, you know, I think part of it too, going back to trade deadline, is they needed to address the defense. They needed to inject yeah. something on that blue line that was going to, you know, kind of stir up the pot a little bit. Um, you know, from the top to the bottom. You know, outside of Josh Morrissey, I don't think anybody in that top six has really performed at the level that they want to, um, consistency th- consistently. Sorry, throughout the season. Um, but to your point, I mean. You know why does Logan Stanley get to go in after he asks for a trade? I mean that's a, a bit of a you know a head scratcher. It's like you know are you rewarding him now? Or are you caving into his agent? Like you know the agent obviously wants him to play more. That's you know he wants his his client to have an opportunity, and if it's not going to be here, he wants it there. But I mean Logan Stanley's been given a lot of opportunity. That's you know you know he he has and you know it's not his fault that he's been injured twice this year for two or one lengthy period of time for sure. 
Um, you know, that's not really on him. But also, Logan Stanley hasn't taken, you know, he hasn't really grabbed the position. You know, they wanted this six foot seven defenseman to be, you know, I was high on Logan Stanley. Everybody knows that they make fun of me about it. I, you know, that's fine. I, I thought, you know, you give a guy like that a shot because you like his size and you like what he might be able to turn into. Hey, Scotty, um, he sniped a couple goals in the playoffs against the did, Abs and, a couple years and, ago. And he looked good at that time, right? I mean, look like this guy was, you know, starting to come into his own. He was he he was seizing kind of uh, the moment in the playoffs, which is, you know, a step in a, in a step in, you know, in your development, development that you yeah. would like to see. Um, but, but again, he's just never really been that physical guy. And then last night, you know, he gets to play physical and he boards a guy into the boards, right? Like it, it's the wrong type of physicality. The night before and against, uh, I think it was uh, Los Angeles, he cross-checks a guy in the face. And so it's like, you know. The, and he almost got a major penalty. For well, that. and he should have got a major penalty. Yeah. For him. It was an un, un, inexplicable why they, they only they were, they kept it at a two-minute. But, you know, it, it's just like, you know, here's a guy who, who's been asked to be more physical, and they put him in the lineup. And outside of that big hit that he threw in Nashville on his return from his second injury, um, you know, we haven't seen it. And so. You know, this is the team that, that that had been reported to want to get grittier. I'd heard that they were looking for a gritty defenseman. There's, there's, there, there's, there's, there, it's not a, a coincidence that you heard the name Luke Shen out there, um, Nick Sealer. And this mm-hmm. team was looking at those, you know, those types of players because, you know, are they the most skilled defensemen? Well, maybe, maybe not. Um, but are they big and physical and rugged guys that are going to go out there and, and, you know, not necessarily be Dustin Bufflin, of course, because you know Dustin Bufflin was a bit of a unicorn, but but have that sort of physical presence that really you know um, can bring the fan base into the game and that sort of thing. And then and then you know, let's not I mean, Dylan Sandberg's just played better um, over the course of the year, in my opinion. And but they've they've just, they, they've tried to take him out because they've tried to play with this kind of rotation, and they want to get Stanley in. They don't want him to sit, and you know, at times they wanted to get Kyle Capelbanco in. And then he'll play one game in like twenty, and it's just like, oh, then they want to get him in, and it's like it's so random, and like, it, it never is. Really it makes any it, sense? No, and that's the other thing. It's like, you know, and and like I understand the idea of like taking a guy out when he's playing well, because you don't want, you know, because you know when you take a guy out that's playing well, you know, the idea is that he's not going to be as you know upset about it. But I, I would disagree. I think if you're a guy like still in Sandberg who's fighting for a job and you're playing well and you're still not getting to stay in the lineup. I mean, that's more of a piss off than anything else. Right. Like, I mean, you're upset because you're not staying in the lineup when you're playing well. And, and I, and I think, I think is, um, I, I think, uh, I, I think Dylan Sandberg has deserved to blossom in that job and give him a chance to just run with 30, 40 games the whole season. Let him go. This is your future guy. And, and and if you've already been shopping Logan Stanley around back in the summer, because we heard his name out there before, why are you not rewarding the guy who is working hard, trying to make the lineup every night and stick in the lineup and is playing better than Stanley or Capo Bianco? Why aren't you rewarding that guy? If this goes back to last season when this team was way out of the playoff, Ryan. And, and they just kept running out the same old veteran defensemen instead of bringing Billy up and Dylan up and, and playing mm-hmm. those guys. And it just, it, it, it's a bizarre move. And, you know, it's funny. You go back to last last week now, or earlier this week, and, and Rick Bonus talked, you know, a little bit about his frustrations of not being able to perhaps potentially play the guys he wants or the call-ups he wants. You know, I, 
read between the lines a little bit, yeah. <laughs> you know, who does he want in the lineup? Because, I mean, you know, you remember, like, you know, people look at uh, Dominic Toninato, right? He was a gritty fourth-line guy who was popping a few goals every now and then and and that. And, you know, why is he not up here anymore? Like, you know, why, or, isn't, or Jansen Harkins. why hasn't Jansen Harkins been yeah. given another shot? Yeah. Um. When when Carson Coleman I've been beating that man truck, line, Scott, then, ask, ask Dave. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I understand. I think a lot of people are now because you're looking at Sacramento Lion and you're looking at Carson Coleman. What are they really offering to this team at this point? Are, are they any different? Are they any, you know, it, it, w- w- again? It, it, I think it, Sam Gagne goes in tonight personally. Yeah, he might. But now and now you're at a point, right, where you only have three call-ups that you're allowed to use up mm-hmm. until the end of the season. And so now you have to kind of figure it out. And this team hasn't wanted to lose players on on – on 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 waivers because they <laughs> lost players from the beginning of the year when they lost Kovacevic Savage to waivers. Still doesn't make to, any sense that to, you know this to, many to, months later. <laughs> to, it's exactly to to the the Mikey Esamont. Imagine that you essentially traded for Mikey Esamont yesterday. You know, yep. like that's isn't that now now Scott? It's not fantasy hockey. Stop that. Yeah, I know, but yeah, but that that's a, such a fantasy hockey trade, right? Like, I mean, it's just like it's. You know, you you, you let the go, guy go for free. You let the guy go for free, and you end up trading essentially for him um, because you know that's what uh, San Jose got for or Domestikov is what they got for for Esamont, who Tampa Bay, who Tampa Bay wanted. Will Tampa Bay play Mikey Esamont? I'm not entirely sure if he's there, but he's an option for them. Doesn't but, it, you know, doesn't it strike it, fear in your heart funny? a little but bit it, that Tampa Bay wants funny? Mikey Esamont? <laughs> Right, <laughs> you yeah. know, and this, this is where lightning I think the guy. frustration. Yeah, I, this is where I think. I mean, he's a good fourth line player. I agree with Scott. I don't think you could you could argue that the bottom six hasn't been the same since Mikey Essie right? and and right? Jansen Harkins were there. Right, <laughs> right. Like, like hey, last time play? Adam Lowry yeah. scored a goal, uh, Scotty, thirty five games ago, Jansen Harkins was the one who was setting him up. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, there's been problems for Adam Lowry. I get it, and and all that, but I mean. Mike Yesmont brought energy to this this team, right? You you saw it from the day that he came into the lineup. That guy was, you know, the Duracell bunny, right? Like or Energizer bunny. Sorry, yeah, I got my batteries mixed up. Does anybody <laughs> use my batteries anymore? Isn't everything? Anyways, um, no, Amazon, I use Amazon. I was oh, gonna yeah. say, huh. that, uh, Scotty, if you have kids, you need batteries. Let me yeah, tell you I that. <laughs> I don't have kids. I have a I dog, know. and they just have chew toys. So yeah. Um, but yeah, like I mean, my thing is just like. You know, just one of the funnier things yesterday was that whole Nemestikov thing and then tracing it back to Mikey Esamont. And, and yeah, I mean, I think that was a mistake. I mean, that was a mistake to get rid of him. I think, you know, if you asked um, Rick Bonus and he gave you an honest answer away from this team, maybe in a few years when he's not the head coach of it or whatever. Um, yeah, that, that was, uh, you know, it's just it, it's little things like that. But those little things add up over time, right? You wanted depth players that actually could do something. And, you know, I'd argue that Carson Kuhlman hasn't done much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think they like Axel johnson Fiel because of his speed and, and all that. But, I mean, yeah. Multi-point nice, game yesterday. Yeah, he, he had a great game yesterday, don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, they've been few and far between. And he hasn't been able to stick in the lineup, too. I mean, they're the, he's the he's the guy that they, you know, you know, and I, I would argue that he's better than Kuhlman or Manalina right now and offers more to the team than that. But, again, we're, we're literally just talking about um, – you know, fourth line guys and all that, and it's just like, at, 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 yes, Rob, I, I do have a dog. She's down. 
I've posted photos all over the place with my dog. I mean, you can see it. So, <laughs> pick picture picture is not true or whatever that that whole thing. He's just playing is. some I, video games right I, now, right? Scott? No, no. <laughs> I, I I was playing Call of Duty last night, but uh, nice. I was watching Formula One qualifying. Are you Dave? Today, Dave so. plays a little COD as well. Oh yeah, I'd wreck. I'd wreck Dave. So we I'm actually I, mean, I actually play Fortnite. I'm not. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one. Wreck those. yourself before you check yourself, right? Uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The other way around. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyways, yeah. Around. So I mean, yeah, you know, you know, I don't know how you put a bow on yesterday because it doesn't deserve one. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, yesterday was a bad day for this team, and and I think a lot of fans understand that. I think there are some that you know they're happy to have the team here, and that's a that's that's what it is, and you know that's fine. I mean, I mean, you're a fan; you get to do whatever you want. You can be happy that the team's here. You can pay your money to go watch the take. But I mean, you know, if last night you paid hundreds of dollars to go to a game uh if that game was here and your team's down five nothing at one point are you really that happy i i, I don't know and 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 yeah i don't know i don't know if the game sold out tonight it might be it's mcdavid it's saturday night it's hockey night in canada um it's a must-win game though right I'm Scott, worried, this, like, I'm, i know it's a cliche oh, of like, course it is yeah I mean, how do you how, how is it you might you might, you might you might have calgary so three points behind you you might have right. calgary three points right. behind you by the end of the night if you don't win well, there's um, no sign. Of, but there's no sign. I mean, that yeah. they're, that they're coming through this or anything. I mean, that's no, the, the thing to me. No, the, because the no... sign that happened against LA, yeah. where you finally start scoring some goals, five on five. Um, I believe they got a power play goal in that game. Yeah. Um, you know, you, so you're starting to get some goals in the game, and, and you fight with them tooth and nail, and you and, and you give up a, a few leads, but you're still there, and then you lose in the shootout. But they, you know, you think, okay, well, this team scored, so they're going to get some of that mojo back, the confidence, all that. And, and then they just get actually trucked. They have absolutely trucked last night. I mean, mm-hmm. you people say, oh, you look at the score in 6-3 and, you know, is it that bad? Yes. All those goals came in garbage time. Let's not get it. You know, they, they were there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Jets showed up at 5 nothing and they scored a goal and then they gave up one more goal. So it was 6-1, to one, you know, and then they scored two kind of close when Calgary was already off, you know, yeah. trying to get on the charter to come over here to Winnipeg tonight for the game. Like I mean, once the third period wave started, Scotty, the game was over. Yeah, you could tell the Oilers had taken the taken the foot off the gas. I mean, at that point, exactly at that point, why would you play in the third period? You know, you have to go. They're not going to score six goals in the third. The Jets scored three. That's only half of you know the number of the goals they needed. Um, And so Edmonton's conserving energy for tonight. Whereas the Jets last night were trying to like make it not look as embarrassing as it was and. Yeah, it was a bad game. Um, I don't know what happens tonight, you know, because here's the thing. I mean, I mean, you can, you know, we can ask the chat here. We can, but like, does anybody here? Can anybody here explain, you know, what team is actually going to come out tonight? What Jets team is going to show up tonight? Is it going to be the team that showed up last night, or the team that showed up after the, after the, after the loss to the Devils, or the loss to the the Islanders? Like, like, what team is showing up here? Um, what response is this team going to give you? I and I don't think anybody can. It's I don't think anybody that, can do that. So I mean, if you don't think that it's the team that's been bottom five in this league for the past, you know, almost two months, then I, you know you have more optimism than than, than I do. I mean, and and uh, good on yeah. you for having that optimism. But I mean, it, it's you know the, this team just doesn't seem to be have anything going for it. And you and, well, then and you start. Else. And the other thing is, you like, do you start like maybe Paul Maurice was right? You know. You know, as bad as, you know, it, it seemed to be at the end for Paul Maurice and basically quit on this team after that Buffalo game because the team just wasn't playing. Yeah. Is 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 Rick Bonus now in that point where it's just like, 
have you looked at any, watched any of the Rick Bonus interviews as of late? And it almost looks, uh, he's bewildered. Yeah. What is he, what, what, what have I, he's probably thinking like, what haven't I tried? I've tried to, I try to be angry with this team. I've tried to hold them, their feet to the fire. I've tried to hold them to accountability. I've tried to coddle them at times. I've tried well, to Well, you know what he hasn't done, Scotty? He hasn't, sat, he hasn't sat as $4.5 million guys. Sitting oh, a couple of sure. Games. Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe, maybe that's the last thing. Maybe, but he's sat those guys during the game. He's limited ice time during the game. He's tried to send a message to those guys in the media through, you know, in the dressing room and private, like, what do you do? You know, like, I mean, I, I, if I was Rick Bonus, I'd be out of ideas. Like, well, what do you do? It's like, at some point it is on the players. I mean, that is true. Um, and uh, you look for but, a lifeline but, from your general manager, and that lifeline I, didn't well, come. Well, and and again, I don't even think it's as much as you're looking at a lifeline, but you're looking at uh, you know the last four or five years, and you're mm-hmm. wondering, you know, these signs have been here for a while now, um, and why weren't they addressed sooner? And uh, you know, at the end of the day, you're like, okay, you can blame the players all you want, but if you've seen this year over year for a while that yeah, that your core isn't are. working and you haven't done a thing to change the core. That isn't on the players. I mean, every player, well, at the trade deadline, when you ask them what they want more, it says, you know, you know, walk down a couple of doors in the office and ask the GM because they have no choice in that. The players can't fix this team in terms of its composition and what's ailing it, you know, in terms of its core. Um, you know, they, they can keep trying to win with what they have. But at the end of the day, where does the buck stop on this team? It, it stops with the general manager um, identifying that there might be an issue and going out and making a change to fix it. And, you know, so you can blame the players all you want for what's going on. Um, and and they do deserve some of the blame, of course. I mean, you know, they're paid to play and all that stuff, yada, yada, yada. Um, but if you've seen, if you've seen this trend, and we can call it, we can certainly call it a trend, um, over the years of this team kind of, I mean, you go back to the 18-19 season where they disintegrated down the stretch. Um, if and yeah, there was a lot of issues that season in 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 fighting and all that kind of stuff. I mean, if yeah, if you can, if if you can see those things and you ignore them, or you you, you think, oh no, everything will be better. You know, Blake we would take the captaincy from Blake Wheeler, or Blake Wheeler had this epiphany that he's been too hard on guys like he did in that interview with Sarah, maybe he's got to take a different approach and all that, or whatever it is, right? I mean, again, this team doesn't have Patrick Liney because I don't think he was really accepted into the core of this team. Mm-hmm. Um, this team has let down Connor Hellebuck. This core of this team has let down Connor Hellebuck. Connor Hellebuck is part of the core of this team, um, but they've let him down over and over again. They've, they've leaned on him. They've used him as a crutch, as uh, an excuse for it to – to, to, to uh, for their bad play to cover up their bad play. I mean, the, I mean, again, a lot of this just points up. You know, it, it points past the head coach, and it's down the hallway at the GM. And at that point, what do you do? Because um, if you're not willing to change the general manager, I don't know what you expect to change around here. And after 12 years and not a lot, a whole lot of success around here, um, you can keep kicking the can of you know. Oh, I got this nice shiny. You know, it's funny that. You know, Kevin Sheldon, they have talked about, you know, shiny new toys and all that at the trade deadline. <laughs> you know, I, I'd argue this team has leaned on their shiny new toys that they trot out after drafting them every year. Um, and, and as an excuse to, you know, let's kick the can down the road. Let's wait till, you know, Nikolai Ehlers is ready and Josh Morrissey is ready. And, 
Kyle Connor is ready and, and all these guys are ready. And now you're starting to think, well, are they going to talk about, you know, uh, is, is, is Rutger McGordy ready and Chaz Lucius ready and Billy Hanel are ready and, and all these guys. And so it's just like, you know, it, it almost seems cyclical, right? It's just, you know, it keeps happening and going. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know the direction of this team. I don't have answers for fans. We asked, you know, I asked the question, you know, at the end of last year, what's the vision? Um, you know, he didn't really get an answer. Um, and, you know, yesterday I didn't think there was a whole lot of answers either. I thought it was a lot of, uh, you know, we're fine. We, we addressed the holes on this team and all that. And then, the, you know, that night they go out and, yeah, I know I get that Vlad, uh, that, that uh, Nemestikov was, wasn't in the lineup, but he wasn't fixing that. He wasn't plugging, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't bailing out the sinking ship last night um, himself. And, you know, he's going to bring versatility to the lineup and all that stuff. But is it enough? I mean, I, you know, I just, you know, I, yeah, it, it, it's tough. I, I imagine this is a very, very, very tough time for a fan right now um, because you don't know and, and you're kind of worried that your team, it, it's all slipping by and you're missing the boat. And yeah, a lot of things going on right now. And it, yeah, it, it's a tough time for this team. And, and you know, even in, that they're in a, a playoff race, you know, the dark cloud that hangs over this team right now, um, you know, it shouldn't be there. It shouldn't be there. It shouldn't. Uh, that that shouldn't be the case. Twelve years into this, where <clears throat> you know you're you're we're talking about these sorts of things. Scott Billick covers the Winnipeg Jets for the Winnipeg Sun. You know his work from Post Media as well. He's a great friend of ours, and he's insightful and he's in touch with everything that's going on with this organization. Scotty, thank you, brother. We'll see you later on tonight. Enjoy the contest. It should be <laughs> a, a, certainly an interesting vibe in downtown Winnipeg later on yep. tonight. Yeah, well. appreciate it, guys. Yep. Thanks, Thanks Scotty. Appreciate it. Thanks, yep. Scotty. There you go, Scott Billick joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We'll take head to break, come back with more Jets talk. Then Derek Van Deest joins us to talk about the Oilers at the bottom of the hour. Stay with us. Much more to come. Drew Mendel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsburg with you. It's a Saturday morning. You're watching the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party, even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Hi, Ez. A strange question for you. But why are you lying on the ground being crushed by a piano? Well, Drew, I definitely tried to carry this baby grand piano down the stairs by myself, and somehow I failed miserably. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. That was a silly question on my part. My apologies. Would you like me to call Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage to help you move the piano? They are the most experienced piano moving company in Winnipeg, after all. Yes, please call Rollies and hurry. This piano is very, very heavy. Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage offers stress-free residential moving services while taking great care of your personal belongings, including your piano. At Rollies, no job is too big or too small. For more information, visit rollies.com. 
Hi, it's Drew from Illegal Curve here. Selling your home can be stressful, but it wasn't for me. Thanks to my friends at Zapia Group Realty, they made the process so easy. My home sold within 48 hours and with multiple offers. Zapia Group Realty took care of everything with their exquisite customer service and attention to detail. If you want to sell your home for more in less time, get started by talking to Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Online at zapiagroup.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whiten my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. So you're a pizza person, you married a wing person, but somehow your kids are salad people. You can't pick your fam, but you can pick your BP meal deal. Starting from $18.99 for takeout or delivery at bostonpizza.com. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg with you on this Saturday morning. Big thanks to Scott Billick for joining us. Eloquent, as always, in breaking down and discussing what ails this Winnipeg Jets team. Uh, one item we haven't had a chance to get to over the last uh, couple days worth of shows. And again, we'll be back tonight at around 8.45 with the post-game show following the Jets and the Oilers. Uh, it may be an angry one. It may be one filled with a little bit of more optimism, but it should certainly be interesting nonetheless. Join myself and Dave Manuk for that a little bit later on tonight. Logan Stanley's trade request, and let's take it on its face value. Andy Strickland, a friend of ours, certainly knows what he's talking about when he reports something like that. To me, that is just so funny. I just couldn't st- stop laughing when I heard that Logan Stanley is demanding a trade request uh, You know, at this point in his career. A guy who really has been given every opportunity and then some to crack this Winnipeg Jets lineup and to become a regular in the lineup. The team has given him so much rope that he's never been able to reel in the job, decides that he needs to go public with it with a trade request. To me, the entire thing was hilarious. Uh, you know, just 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 completely out to lunch and out to touch as well as hilarious from my perspective. What did you guys think when you saw that uh, and that news come down the pike, Ezzy? It was unexpected. And, you know, we talked about this with Scott. Like, the reality is on this Jets roster, Dylan Sandberg has passed Logan Stanley. Logan Stanley yeah. is no longer your best option on the third pair there. And, and that's the reality. So I was, I was shocked because... First off, you don't expect a defenseman like that to ask to ask for a trade just because he's not a top player, right? Like you don't hear a lot of sixth or seventh defensemen asking for a trade, let alone guys that have been drafted by the Jets and spent their entire careers with the Jets, right? Right. But I just don't like I, I, Logan Stan. There, there's a difference here between Logan Stanley as a person and a, as a character and as a as a hockey player. Here, I think Logan Stanley is absolutely an NHL player. I think his ceiling is probably a third pairing defenseman at the NHL level, like he's 24 right now. And he, he's a guy that he can be physical, but it's kind of odd sometimes when he picks to be physical. Um, it's kind of comes, it, it comes and goes. It's not a consistent physicality. Sometimes Logan Stanley's out there and he just looks like a big defenseman who's really not doing much. Like he's a replacement level player and the analytics back that up, right? So I don't know what's going to happen with Logan Stanley. Dave, I don't know if, if Chevy was close to moving him yesterday or a couple days ago. 
Um, but you, I, I don't know what his long-term future is with the Jets, especially considering you've got Vili Hainala and Declan Chisholm on the left side there too. Yeah, I think you have the depth in the organization that you can replace him. I think that the fact is that the Jets have put a lot of time and effort into him. They did the same thing with Johnny Kovacevic, where they drafted, developed him, you know, had him playing for the Moose for years, and then kept Kyle Capo Bianco inexplicably over. Still over doesn't him. make sense. Yeah, no, I know, but I mean, again, we talked, we talked about it. I know. You know, and look, he's he's playing. Uh, I just highlighted the comment. I mean, Kovacevic is playing a regular role in Montreal. They told him to to get a, to get himself a place there and to get comfortable because he's going to be part of that young Montreal core for years to come. Look, I, I said it when when I remember we were getting we, it was a call in show on the twelve ninety days, and someone said, "Is is Logan Stanley a bust?" I said, "Well, no. I mean, he's, he probably could be a third pairing guy for you know an organization for six to eight years, maybe maybe as high as second. Look, the reality is after he's a bit of a bust based on where he was drafted. But well, that, I mean, the reality no, the reality yeah. is uh, we talk about this all the time. It doesn't matter where you're drafted once you're in the NHL. Like you're in the NHL." So I think that stigma of member because the Jets, well, of course you remember, Dave, we were there in Buffalo yeah. in 2016 when they took Line A second overall, right? Yeah. So they traded up for that pick. So I think he's never been able to, at least with the Jets fan base, it seems like he's never been able to really shake that connection between him being drafted 17th overall. So in that sense, like, okay, call it a bust, whatever. I, I hate the boomer bust thing. He's just not, he's not the best left side option right now. On the Jets, there's three other players, or four really, because Vili Hainala, I think we would all agree, is ahead of Logan Stanley on the depth chart. So it looks like, again, this is nothing against Logan Stanley personally. It looks like right now, Dave. Sorry to cut you off here and steal your yeah. your thunder. It appears like you know a change of scenery is the best thing for Stanley right now. Yeah, and and I think the most important point, and I, I wrote about it on a little website called TheLegalCurve.com, as but I, and I, it's the truth is that people need to realize guys ask for trades all the time. And they don't materialize. Like Evander right. Kane played through how many years in Winnipeg asking every single year for a trade? There's a lot of guys who ask for trades that never come to be. So it's not like it's like, and to be honest with you, that's not a castigation of Winnipeg. It happens in every organization throughout the course of the NHL, whether you're in Tampa, Florida, or if you're in wherever, guys are unhappy with their roles and want things to change. And so, and again, you know, they, as much as anybody else, live in instant gratification society where we, you know, need these guys to be this, this, and this. And and the fact of the matter is, look, the Jets lost a player because they they held on to Logan Stanley because they didn't obviously uh you know decide that they didn't want to take a risk. But the problem is they're putting themselves into a similar position next year, right? Next year they're gonna have look the left side, let's be realistic. What's your left side of the Jets next year? Josh Morrissey, Dylan Sandberg, Brandon Dillon. Okay. Well Declan Chisholm, who I would argue is probably your best skating defenseman by far i think he's a better skater than hinola it's you know and i think offensively he's maybe a shade below hinola i think defensively he's better but i think that declan chisholm he's no longer like billy hinola the problem with billy hinola his biggest problem is that he's waiver exempt for next year as well right so the reality is this you people say well he can't be in the hl again next year well he could you know now now the thing is the key is and they've been asking him to do it at the ahl level a little bit is play on his right side and give them a little more right side option than than what they have right now in the organization from a depth perspective, because the only guy really is Leon Gavanke, who's, you know, again, no longer waiver exempt, but he obviously cleared waivers already this year, but I'm just saying that you've got Leon Gavanke and Simon Lundmark is a project, the 2020 second rounder. So you might have to get guys like Declan Chisholm and Billy Hainola to flip over to their right side, which is fine. But I'm just saying that you right now are going to be in a position next year as where you could lose Declan Chisholm. If you're not going to play him like Kyle Coppi, Bianco is most likely not going to be there. 
but you have to be able to make decisions on your team and evaluate your team and, and where this team is going to go. And again, like Declan Chisholm was an HL all-star, not by accident, right? You know, it's not like a participation trophy where you have to pick one guy. Okay. He's good enough. We'll give it to him. He's a very good defenseman. And, and so I'm just saying that you don't want to run into a situation where you have literally spent years of, of your time, your energy and your money to invest in a player and then to just lose him for nothing like they did with Johnny Kovacevic. And again, I don't think, I think it'd be a mistake to lose out on a guy like Declan Chisholm. Now, look, I, I understand they have to come out and play in the training camp and, and they have to excel. But I'm just telling you that you don't want to run into a situation again next year where you yeah. kind of have this very odd logjam of Draft, guys. develop, and lose. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. So, look, I mean, do they need to do something? No. I mean, obviously, Kevin Dayoff didn't hear what he liked from any potential offers, if there were any. And I agree, Drew. Like, it's kind of flat. Like, again, if Logan Stanley was the Logan Stanley after the you know, the COVID year when he came out and he was gangbusters and everybody was like, wow, Logan Stanley looks fantastic. Mm -hmm. And he did. And again, like I said, I always thought him as a third pair six, seven guy, but suddenly he looked like a four or five guy, the way he kind of came out after that, that kind of unusual season. He obviously had a good time training, but it's fallen off again. And you can say, well, it's not big. I mean, look, he had, how many games did he play last year? 50, I mean, 70, I think he played 77 maybe last year. Like he played a lot of games. It was either yeah. 58 or 77. It was a, it was a, it was a bigger number. It was, it was more than just a small sample size. Yeah. So I'm just saying that that the, he he had the opportunity last, last year. was 58. 58. Okay. So I I knew it was one of the two. But the point is that he had that chance and yeah. and he didn't solidify himself in that role. And now, as I said, a guy like Dylan Sandberg has has moved past you. And again, the organization from a from a realistic from an asset management perspective has to be smart and say, okay, well, we can't afford like Villanova, whatever. You've got protection there, but you can't afford to lose guys for nothing. You're not getting Declan Chisholm through waivers. Not one NHL. There's, I'm telling you right now, there's 0% chance if they put him on waivers, he's getting through waivers. Well, again, because he's cheap and he can skate. And there's plenty of teams in this league that we know who are so cost conscious that they are willing to take a flyer on a young player who just might have some upside. I mean, you know, the Jets did it with uh, in, 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 in putting a claim in for Janssen Fialbi. I mean, mm -hmm. and Chisholm, you know, is, is a young defenseman. You, you shouldn't give young defensemen are what you can't lose for nothing. So it is still, if you want to talk asset management and everything else this season, Kevin Sheveldayoff has done a terrible job about it, losing Kovacevic for nothing. That was inexplicable when it happened six months ago and remains inexplicable today. It remains just a a, a, a horrible. Well, and Essimont is even worse because Essimont was actually Mont having an impact right? on the roster. All due respect to Kovacevic, he he only played a handful of games right. on the roster. So losing Essimont, in my opinion, was worse. Well, they're both terrible. You lose guy, and then you have to go in and, and basically reacquire the guy that another team traded for to get him. I mean, it's just like you know, th there's been a lot of uh, managerial malpractice this season with regard to the Winnipeg Jets and how they've used and the decisions that they've made. And that in and of itself is adding to the frustration that everyone is seeing and the questions, legitimate questions about where this team is going and where this franchise is going and Kevin Sheveldayoff's job in stewarding this franchise moving forward. Those are legitimate questions that these, uh, that these moves uh, have only exacerbated. When we come back, Derek Van Deest of Post Media is going to join us for more on tonight's Oilers-Jets rematch, last night's game as well. Stay with us Saturday morning. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. More Jets talk to come. We're live on YouTube. 
bottom of hour number two we're back on the illegal curve hockey show drew mandel dave manuk ezra ginsburg with you reminder the marathon of illegal curve shows continues with the post game show tonight 8 45 give or take but myself and dave m will discuss everything to do with the winnipeg jets and the edmonton oilers the jets looking for redemption after what was obviously just a disaster of a game last night uh in the alberta capital the jets back on home ice looking to let their home fans have something to cheer for uh, you know we've talked so much about the trade deadline we you know we talked about last night's game obviously on the post game show last night what do you guys think the jets are going to do maybe different tonight in terms of some of their lineup decisions because i just don't see them trotting out the same players again that they did last night given the results that they got last night i think it's time almost for just a, a full sale change in the approach. Now, obviously we don't know the health status of Pierre-Luc Dubois. He didn't play last night. We don't know uh, if Nemesnikov is going to be able to be in the lineup tonight. He, they just announced he's going to wear number seven for the Jets. So he's got a number, whether or not that means he's got a number that's going to be in the lineup tonight. So he's going to play over, like Keith Kachuk. Move over Dmitry Kulikov. Well, he, by the way, how funny would have it been if the Jets had reacquired Kulikov? That would have been my favorite. Uh, I mean, first of all, uh, the Penguins, it's a horrible trade. I mean, I, like, is Dmitry Kulikov any different than, than – it's the same Kulikov that I remember from a bunch of years ago who wasn't the that good, right? not going to have any impact on how the Penguins do in the playoffs. But, like, I mean, it's so, – like, like when they, it's, it's a terrible a, trade, but it's just not – it's it's a inconsequential trade as far as I'm concerned. It's kind of like well, when the when the Penguins traded for uh, Nathan Beaulieu and the, the, for, and the contingency on the trade was that he needed to uh, – on the pick story was that he needed to play, like, X number of games and X number of playoff games. And I was like, okay, well, that, that's basically a trade for nothing. Thing. that's a dumb they, they gave up a third round pick for him i'm like how's kulikov still worth a third round pick i just don't quite understand that at all analytics actually aren't bad yeah i was gonna say actually i think it's, it's drew i think look as a as a as a guy who can be there as yeah, depth guy yeah i mean the whole point what do we what have we talked about is that the jets needed to add depth to their defensive group now we said it was on the right side but the fact is that you know you can add veteran depth if you need them to go into the lineup you need them to go in the lineup penguins are hot right now so uh who knows so let me go back to my original question as I got I said, I somehow managed to distract myself, which is always yeah. a good thing to be doing. What sort of changes are you expecting for tonight? So we know that Hellebuck didn't play the third period last night. Is he your starting goaltender? Yeah. We'll start there, Dave. Yeah, he is. Oh, okay, sorry. I didn't realize you were throwing to Dave. Yeah. I was throwing to Dave. I want Dave in here. You keep rambling. I just, on no, let, let Azzy go. I, I I just I spent the whole last thing as you go. I I was I was I, I'm chatted out. All right. Yeah, I, I think there's a good chance it's Hellbuck tonight. And I think that was actually smart. The game was over. It was 4 nothing after two periods, right? So, and, and Riddick allowed a couple garbage time goals. So, I mean, that was, I think, with the intention of saving Hellebuck for tonight's rematch. So I would, mm -hmm. yes, I would expect Hellebuck to play. I mean, I don't think it's like, you know, 99.9% .9 certainty. As far as moves go, Drew, I mean, there are like... It's tough to think that both Pierre-Luc Dubois and Mason Appleton are coming back in the lineup. I don't well, no, Appleton can't. Option. Right, yeah. exactly. He's so it's Dubois. And so I don't. I have no idea if, like, what has changed between last night and right now. I don't. So I don't know if you can necessarily expect Dubois to be in the lineup tonight. But the moves that they would make, guys, would not have a huge impact on the way this team plays. Like, I think Sam Gagne is going to go in tonight. I think Dylan Sandberg is going to go in tonight. So Sandberg obviously goes in for Stanley. Uh, and Sam Gagne probably goes in for Manalainen. I don't think Rick Bonus 
you know, like I don't think he would have loved the cross check to the head of uh, was it <laughs> Philip Roberg yesterday. Yeah. So I, I would expect Sam Gagne to go in and there's the connection, right? He used to play for the Oilers. So, you know, maybe that's a little bit of a motivation for him. So, yeah, I would expect Gagne and, and Sandberg to go in for Stanley and Manalainen. And then maybe Nemestikov. I'm not sure, you know, if he's in town yet or, you know, if there's any visa issues. But that would certainly be a boost for the bottom six if Nemestikov played tonight. Uh, yeah, I mean a boost. Yeah, but do you okay then? So Derek Van Deest is logging in right now. By the way, okay, great. So Derek's going to join us momentarily for his insights onto the Oilers and last night's game and the rematch tonight. But Dave, then you know, do you is it time to look? The, the top six we know is, is a bit of a, a mess right now with the Dubois injury, which certainly has thrown things for a loop. Mm-hmm. So, but is it time to maybe look at that and try and fix that and change that up from last night as well? I mean, it's just been uh, such a, a a bizarre sort of sequence of of events hold that thought we're going to welcome to the program derek van deest from post media he covers EBD. the oilers how's it going guys good how are you derek good good obviously brought you on talk about last night's jets oilers game talk about the rematch tonight talk about the trade deadline everything along those lines i mean you you watched the game last night and it was definitely one-sided it was definitely men against boys you know is this you know the Oilers. They're they're playing well. They obviously they they beat the the Leafs the other night. Is this a team that, with the addition of Ekholm to their lineup, is really sort of feeling their mojo now and feeling that this is uh, that with the wide open West, there's no reason why they shouldn't be right at the forefront of the teams that can win it. Yeah, I think there's two things that happened with the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, the first one is they were able to move Jesse Pugliarvi. Now, Jesse Pugliarvi was kind of a polarizing figure here in Edmonton. Um, He's a player with all kinds of skill and talent, but just hasn't been able to produce the way the Oilers were hoping he could produce. And the Oilers were really – they had a lot of patience with this player, hoping that he would come around, but he never did. So what happened with Jesse Pugliarvi is being able to move that $3 million contract, then they were able to make some moves at the trade deadline, like bringing Ekholm in here. And that really solidified that defensive base. Like he's such a talented player. I've only seen him play two games, but he's so mm-hmm. strong in his own end. He's so effective. He moves the puck so well. And what he's doing is really settling down guys like Evan Bouchard and Philip Broberg. And he's really kind of elevated their game as well. So he's kind of solidified that, that back end because that was what was really hurting the Oilers. It was their, their back end. They just, they couldn't get the puck out of their own, keep the puck out of their own net. They would score five goals at one end and allow six at the other. And that was becoming a big issue. So he's really solidified that back end. And then also that that extra those extra minutes of ice time that Pugliarvi was using up, it, it eventually whittled down to about five and a half, six minutes. But now that's been given to other guys, and other guys have taken advantage of that. And you look at, example, uh, Kyler Yamamoto. He had a goal and uh, two goals and an assist last night. He's making the most of that extra ice time. And I think that's what's kind of – it's kind of freed up the Oilers a little bit. They have a lot of speed in that lineup. And, and to me, last night, the, the, the Jets won. They, they were throwing the puck away uh, unbelievably. Like some of those turnovers were, uh, were just incredible. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm still – that DeMello turnover still on the Nugent Hopkins goal. It's like he was centering the puck to him. He gave it right back to him in the <laughs> slot. So that, that really cost him. But I think right now that this team is really starting to believe in itself. And, and, and I think just it was about shoring up defensively, and, and that's what Ekholm does for this club. You know, just uh, sticking with Ekholm, because we have to address Ekholm, because he's a guy that we've been talking about would be perfect on the Jets for, for years now. Obviously, that with seeing him in the Central Division, going back to the, the 2018 second-round series between the Jets and, and, and the Predators, and, and, and you mentioned that it's a perfect fit for this team. 
What about the return, though? Because I guess it's a two-part question with the return because they gave up a lot. And Reed Schaefer went right after Brad Lambert. Uh, and I asked Drew, Dave, Reed Schaefer was a guy, after speaking with Craig Button and how high he was on Reed Schaefer, Edmonton kid, you know, he's having a good season with the Seattle Thunderbirds, big guy. Um, they gave up a lot, right? Like Tyson Berry, first-round pick, Reed Schaefer. I mean, it's not a coincidence Reed Schaefer was included in that deal. Nashville clearly, you know, wanted to add to their prospect pool. So were Oilers fans okay with the return considering they, that they finally got their, you know, left-side shutdown defenseman? I think that's a, that's a wait-and-see question to see how, how well Reed Schaefer does in the NHL. He's known pretty well in these parts. Um, because last year the Edmonton Oil Kings played the Seattle Thunderbirds in the, in the WHL final. So they got a really good look at Reed Schaefer. Um, and, and I think they, a lot of people really liked what he brought to the table. Now, whether or not he actually goes and, and becomes a, a legitimate NHL player, I think there's still some questions about him. I think his foot speed was the biggest question coming in here. He, he's a talented guy. He's a physical guy. But does he have the foot speed to play in the NHL? Now, Basically, um, the old kick, the old owners gave up two first round picks because they gave up a first round pick and Reed Schaefer mm -hmm. for this player. But I think a lot of people were saying, hey, this is the window. The owner's window is about four or five years. Um, you look at Dry Settle's contract's gonna come up, McDavid's contract's gonna come up. And I think uh if if it pays off, then it doesn't matter, I think, if that they gave up so much with Tyson Berry and two two first round picks essentially. For this player, if this player helps them get over that hump, if they can get back to that Western Conference final and this player makes them competitive in that Western Conference final and they get into the Stanley Cup final, I think a lot of people will be very happy with that trade. And I think if they think Ekholm is the last piece of that puzzle, which early on, this is early returns. Uh, it's only been two games. He looks like he might be. Uh, I think people will be happy with that return. And, and then just look at the history of the owners' first-round picks. They've thrown away a lot of first-round picks. So I think uh, – and it'll be a late first-round pick if the owners do well as well. So I think uh, in that sense, a lot of people aren't too too upset with what they gave up to get this player. You know, Derek, we, when we have someone on from Edmonton, we have to talk about the first overall pick. Of course, I'm not talking about the 2015 first overall pick, Connor McDavid. I'm talking about the first overall pick from 2011, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I mean, he is – I mean, despite the gift – that Dylan DeMello did give him yesterday. He is having his best offensive season. I believe this is his 11th or 12th season in the NHL. So he is, he's been such a great story. And Thanks for making me feel really old, Dave. <laughs> 11th <laughs> year already for uh, the Nuge. That's crazy. And so the point is that, you know, he's just revitalized his career and it's just, it's amazing to watch from afar. But what have you seen from him this year that's allowed for him to have this, this level of success that he hadn't, hadn't achieved to, to date? Well, you know, it's funny because he came in with high expectations, obviously being a first overall pick. Uh, in his first couple of years, he was a high offensive player. He then that's pretty much all he did. And, and then he kind of reinvented himself with this shutdown checking center where you could, you could throw out there and play against everyone. And I think his game has always kind of been a work in process. He was always getting better defensively. And then somehow that offense stalled on him. But I think he's really making the most of the fact that he's kind of like the second line guy. He's playing the second tier guy and he's playing when he's playing with McDavid, he's playing with one of the best players in the world. So the owners for the longest time were so dependent on him for offense that that's all they had. They had him and Taylor Hall and they didn't have much else, but now the owners have so many offensive weapons. When you look and then if you get, you know, Amanda Kane back in the lineup, um, you know, you get those, the season Zach Hyman's having obviously with McDavid and dry saddle, that's really freed up Nugent Hopkins to play against second and third pairing defensemen. And I think he's really taken advantage of that. His, his, his offensive game has, has gone to a new level. His shot is, is the best I've seen in a long, long time. He's getting that puck off and he's picking corners. Um, and he's just kind of really developed. And he's, 
he's we still call him kind of the baby face assassin. He doesn't look like he's age. He still looks like he's 17, 18 years old. Um, but he's just kind of every year continually to just grow and improve one facet of his game. And I think you're really seeing the, the returns now. And now apparently he's become a uh, an enforcer and a pugilist. I don't know if you guys saw what he did to Justin Hall the other night. He's throwing the uppercuts in Justin Hall. I think the team really had a, a kick out of that, how he jumped in after uh, Hall hit the Yamamoto behind the net. So he's really kind of developed all aspects of his game. And this is a guy that continually works. He didn't sit on his laurels. He didn't say, hey, I'm the number one overall pick. I'm just going to play the game. He really wanted to work on his game. And, and you see he's kind of an all-around player right now. And I think a lot of people are extremely happy with the season Ryan Nugent Hopkins is having. Derek Van Deest of Post Media, our guest on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, discussing the Oilers. The Oilers-Jets rematch goes later tonight in downtown Winnipeg. Illegal Curve post-game show right around 8.45 tonight. Derek, you know, playoff time, goaltending becomes such a, is such a key factor. You know, you can't let in the softy that maybe you can get away with during the regular season. Why should... Why is the Oilers goaltending good enough to win in the playoffs? Well, I don't know if it is right now. It, that's that's the main concern for this hockey club. They, they thought they had shored up their goaltending by bringing yeah. Jack Campbell in here, and he just hasn't been able to find his way. He just hasn't been able to get settled in. Um, right now, what we're seeing with Jack Campbell is that he, he, he'll let in a bad goal, and he seems to let that fester, and he seems to let that bother him. And before you know it, he's let in two bad goals, and then three bad goals, and then it just kind of seems to snowball on him, and he hasn't been able to to really find his game. Like the Oilers are really hoping he'd come in here and be a legit number one guy, and just right. be. He, you don't have to be spectacular to play on this hockey team uh, because you're going to get three or four goals from the Oilers every night. So all you got to do is just not give up three or four goals. You got to just get your goals against average under three, and you're probably going to win more often than not. So he's really struggled. Fortune for the Oilers, Stuart Skinner has been able to come in here. This is his rookie season. And he's completely opposite in terms of makeup when it comes to goaltenders. He nothing seems to bother him. He's just such a laid back guy, relaxed guy. He lets in a bad goal. He's forgotten about it. He's moved on to the next goal. Uh, right now, he's really picked up the ball and he's taken over the starters role uh, from Jack Campbell. And I think the Oilers are really fortunate that Stuart Skinner and, and Stuart Skinner, he's, he's developed the right way. He started in the East Coast League. He's worked his way up to the NHL. So he's gone through the entire process. He's done through all the steps. Um, but right now, Stuart Skinner is carrying the ball for the Edmonton Oilers, and they're hoping that Jack Campbell can eventually find his game. But it's been such a long time that Campbell's had some good stretches, but he hasn't really won over the confidence of the team and the fan base here. So they're going to go with Stuart Skinner for a while. Now, whether Stuart Skinner is good enough at playoff time, he's been good enough for now. Mm -hmm. um, whether he's good enough at playoff time, that remains to be seen. But again, the Oilers goaltending doesn't have to be lights out. They're not going to be beating teams 1-0, 2-1. They're going to be scoring four or five goals a night. So all the goaltenders have to do is just not let in a bad goal every night and keep their goals against the average under three. And odds are the Oilers are going to win. They just have so much offense, and you can't take a penalty against this team. Like that power play is absolutely deadly. I don't, the, the goal that Dreisaitl scored yesterday, he's scoring goals from the goal line. And I think wow. he had this much room that was an for incredible that sixth goal. And he, I, also had, he also had time to put the net back on the moorings. Exactly. Right <laughs> That's something I've never seen before. Put the net back. Uh, no one seemed to notice the net was off. He put the he net back. And then he's, his feet were behind the goal line. And he, to be able to pick that spot is unbelievable. So 
Uh, right now, he's starting to really get going as well. So that's when it comes to goaltending, you just have to be average. You don't have to be outstanding goaltending, and, and it'll be fine for the orders. So I think that's what they're looking at right now because they, they don't have an outstanding goaltender. Stuart Skinner is just getting the job done for now. Derek, I wanted to ask you about the, the third line of the Oilers, right? Because here in, in Winnipeg, we've talked a lot about Adam Lowry. I, I'm sure that you've heard of his goal-scoring struggles, 30-plus games. Not sure exactly what it's at, 33 games, 34 games, whatever. Dave's giving me fingers, so it might be more than 34 games. But I mean, 35. The, the th 35, there you go. Uh, the third line has been an, an issue for the Jets, the, both the third and fourth lines with uh, Morgan Barron has been a fixture on that third line. And then you've had, you know, guys like Mason Appleton and, and Carson Kuhlman. But for those who don't know, the third line of the Oilers, and correct me if I'm wrong, if, if you know, this has been different, but for the most part this season, it's been Ryan McLeod, Warren Fogle, and, and Matthias Janmark. I'm sure that the, you know, there's been some other players on that third line, but, you know, just looking at the offense, I mean, you've got 30 goals from those guys and the Jets are nowhere close to that. And the question <laughs> I had is how how important has that been for the success of the Oilers? Because obviously, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Zach Hyman, like the top six, Kyler, Kyler Yamamoto, the top six has never been an issue really for the Oilers, but some of that the, in the, the depth lines, third and fourth lines, have been an issue. So how important has it been for their success as of late and this year that they've had you know a solid third line that you know they can mix it up, but they can also contribute offensively? Yeah, that's been huge for the Oilers this year. That's been a big part of their success. And I think we were doing the stats. I think the third, the, the bottom six this year, um, they're plus 15 or 16 or something like that. And in the past years, they were, they were even or minus. So basically, it was essentially if, if the top two lines weren't scoring three or four points a night, the Oilers weren't going to win. Now, I think they've really solidified that third line. Warren Fogel's come in and he's kind of, he struggled a little bit, but now he's really found his game. And McLeod can really skate. He, huh? His skating is very impressive. That's the thing. That line can can skate. They have they have guys that can skate. McLeod can fly. Wogel can fly. And and and, and Yarmark's really kind of caught. He's such a veteran guy. He's he, he he had to start the the year in the AHL just because of the Oilers' salary cap issues. And then they were able to kind of fix those salary cap issues, bring him back up. And he's he's really kind of stabilized that third line. He's got a really good veteran presence. And he's another guy. He's a veteran guy, but he can skate. And so that line really creates a lot of problems on the rush. And basically they're doing is be solid defensively, get turnovers and head the other way. And that's, and that's, they're doing that successfully right now. And that's really helping the Oilers. And it's taken a lot of pressure off those top guys that, you know, they are scoring three or four points every night, but they don't have to win this time this year, uh, as opposed to past years. If McDavid didn't get a goal and two assists, the Oilers were probably going to lose. It's not the case this year because those guys are contributing like I said, I think they're plus 15 or plus 16 this year uh, when they go out there. So I think they have a lot of confidence in that third line. And if you can get basically the third line is, is, is out there to kind of fill the time for the first and second line. Right. And you just want to be even when you're a third line a player. But when those guys are plus 14, plus 15, they're going to get more ice time. They're going to get more opportunity. And right now they're healthy, which is one thing. I think both the uh, Vogel struggle with some health issues. I think McLeod had a bit of health issues. So they're healthy right now. They're flying and they're playing really confident. And then again, they're playing against bottom pairing units because the top pairing units are busy with the Oilers' first two lines. So they're getting the, the good matchups. They're getting the quality matchups that, and they're making the most of those. Well, Derek, one, one guy who gets the top pairing units and doesn't seem to matter who he's facing. And I have to ask, even though I asked about one first overall pick, now I'm going to go back to 2015 and ask you about Connor McDavid because we can't have a conversation with you right now and not talk about the historic season he is having right now. I mean, this is Gretzky, Lemieux, 
you know, type numbers. We just don't see this in today's game and what he's doing, the way he's elevated his game. You get the the luxury of watching him, you know, game in and game out and watching him in practice and watching the things he's doing. Has he made any sort of amendments to his, like what he did in the off season to, to get to this level? Is it just more comfort with his Oilers? Cause again, he's on pace for, I think close to 160 points. He's two off his, his career high, you know, in 17 fewer games. So, I mean, He's just reaching. We we never thought you know McJesus could reach another level, but he's reaching like three other levels, and it's just incredible because he's bringing the whole team along with him. Uh, you know what? Have you guys seen that 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 documentary, The Struggle Pulls, The Last Dance, where Michael Jordan's talking and he's saying yes. how he took things personally? He's like, then that was kind of a yeah. uh, a for him. For t- yeah. I think I honestly think. The fact that Connor McDavid was not a finalist for the heart last year and everything was about Austin Matthews and Austin Matthews is getting 50. Austin Matthews is the greatest goal scorer of all time. Austin, the, all this hype over Austin Matthews at Toronto motivated Connor McDavid. And he, and he, got, he said, oh, really? He's going to score 50? Watch. Next year, I'm going to score 60. And, and, and it's unbelievable how he's kind of motivated. And every night, he seems to be playing with his grudge. And I think, honestly, it has something to do with last year kind of getting snubbed by everyone who was talking about Austin Matthews. He, he wasn't even a finalist. It's unbelievable to me. And mm-hmm. he, he, that really, I think, fired him up this summer. And he's going to say, okay, what? There's, some, there's talk about Austin Matthews being a better player than I am. I'm going to end this right now. It's over. He's the best player of a generation. And the things he's doing night in and night out are, are unbelievable. I got the luxury of watching Gretzky play every night. I grew up watching Gretzky play every night. And he's one of those players that surprised you he did something different every night every night it was it was it was something spectacular and and mcdavid is like that as well you think he's getting to a certain bar and then he kind of creates a new bar and he just keeps extending it um it's funny i one of my favorite conversations i had with connor this year is uh i i got a chance to go to the world cup and i and i covered the world cup for post media and he was really interested in the world cup um he's you know he's, he's interested in soccer we came back and he wanted to know about leo messi because i saw leo messi play and he said, what's Lil Messi like? What's it like to watch him play? And I said, it's kind of like watching you play. <laughs> it seems like you guys are watching the game from above and playing it from down low. He knows yeah. where everyone is at all times. You seem to do the same thing. He does everything at 100 miles an hour. You do everything at 100 miles an hour. He goes, it's very much like watching you play. He got kind of got a chuckle out of that um, because he was really fascinated with Leo Messi. He loves Leo Messi. And so um, I, I see a lot of parallels in that. And the fact that they do look like they're playing the game from the press box and they're actually down low. They're seeing the game two or three moves ahead and they're doing it at 100 miles an hour. But I do think last season really motivated McDavid. He's like, oh, really? You guys are going to stump me? Watch. Watch what I'm going to do next year. Watch. I'm going to get 60 goals. I'm going to get 65 goals. And then all this talk. There hasn't been any, it's, it's obvious he's the best player in the league right now. We haven't heard anything about Austin Matthews being rivaled with Connor McDavid like we did last year. And I think really, honestly, he took that personally and he's do, using that to motivate him. And he wants to win. He wants to win. He wants to be in that category with Sydney and with, with McKinnon and those great players that they're great, but you have to win in this league. And, and right now he's really, really driving the bus. Derek Van Deest covers the Edmonton Oilers for Post Media, the Jets and the Oilers later tonight in downtown Winnipeg. Did you see Hassan Qatar at all, Derek? Hassan? Uh, Hustler. Andrew Patterson from uh, TSN 1290. He was there as oh, well. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. We were hanging. Yes. Yeah. Andrew, right yeah. We were hanging out. Uh, yeah. We, I think we ran into each other at the, some of the Canada venues. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was, that was a that great was question. Only, as he really was the only guy that I knew that was in Qatar uh, personally, so I just thought I'd get that in there. Yeah. No. Yeah, for sure. 
Derek, sure. thank you. Enjoy tonight's contest. We'll do it again real soon, buddy. Sorry to end on a non sequitur there, Derek. Completely <laughs> random. Hey, appreciate you guys having me on. Sorry I jumped on a little late. Thanks for having All me good, on. Derek. Thank All you. good, Derek. Thank you, buddy. There he goes, Derek Van Deese joining us on the program. Hey, Huss was in Qatar. Derek was in Qatar. Yeah, but he thought you said Hassan. I, I, I mean, it's, yeah, it was a real great question. No, I mean, given how we started the show, it's actually the perfect ending for the show. It couldn't be possibly be better than that. Drew, we I can talk about show. ice cream and bridges again if you want. I, hey, look, I started the show by playing the wrong, uh, the playing the wrong intro, so I really can't criticize you. And it was too downhill heavily, from there. Yeah, it sort of went, it went downhill, then an uphill, and then it ended on a downhill. So you know, th- that means we'll start the post game show tonight on an uphill, with, right, Dave? Yeah, with the, with with the Saturday. With the Saturday morning intro. Okay. Well, well Drew, Saturday it looks like Drew, Dave's getting some, finally getting some light through those prison bars behind him. Yeah, they're, they're now, they're now yeah, after they finished waterboarding him, they're now sunblinding him. So yeah. it, it's going to yeah. be great. Who said, who said that? Who said that? <laughs> That's it for the uh, Saturday morning Illegal Curve Hockey Show. A big thank you to Derek Van Deest. A big thank you to Scott Billick for joining us. A big thank you to all of you in the chat and who are watching us live on this Saturday morning. In case you missed any of the show, the immediate replay is available on YouTube. And, of course, the podcast will be available probably within the hour or so as Dave M. will do his Usually half an hour. Work. Half an hour. Usually you're pretty good at getting it up. We appreciate your efforts as per always. I don't need Viagra to get it up. If you haven't, good God almighty, if you haven't already done so, folks, smash the like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, leave us some feedback. We always love to hear what you have to say about the show. Leave that feedback on YouTube, rate us and review us on all your favorite podcasting networks, you know, leave us some comments on iTunes and all that jazz as well. Reminder, post-game show later tonight, 8.45 or so, Dave and myself will discuss the Jets and the Oilers. It will be a, certainly an interesting what conversation. About me? You won't be there, you said. You already told us you're not coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's why I didn't mention you. If you change yeah. your mind, I'll give you some I'll give you some props. I'll say you'll I'll be, be, I'll be back. I'll be at the cottage having a, a few cold beverages. I'll be watching the game, maybe tuning in. Okay, well, in that case, enjoy uh, joining the chat for uh, tonight's post-game show, if that's what you're I've planning. been relegated hey, to the chat today. As he's, yeah. as he's got, as he's got um, authority now, he could just join anytime he wants. Oh, from good wherever, Lord Almighty. From wherever we, might have he to wants. The, we might have to change that authority around. Uh, a <laughs> big thank you to all the sponsors of Illegal Curve who make the Saturday show, the post-game show, and the website a possibility. Our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Dave Hempstead in town tonight, his final two shows, sold out, I believe, uh, for most of the shows, but there might be some left so get them at rumorscomedyclub.com our friends at linden market dental center zapia group realty betway tough duck boston pizza seagram's rollies transfer grid park and the keg support these fine businesses because of their continued support of illegal curve hockey there you go frosty winnipeg has it up there on the screen he's doing his good work as he usually does Quickly, Drew, yes. if anybody wants two tickets to the Moose game tomorrow, I've given away two already, but I've got two more. Two, it's the Wasak game, so it'll be, the jerseys are going to be awesome. So if you want two tickets to the Moose game, send me a message, Dave at IllegalCurve.com or IC Dave. There you go. Dave's giving away tickets. Crazy Dave's ticket-making machine was left on again. As per usual, it was an eventful night last night with the goalie goal and a goalie fight in the AHL as well. If you haven't seen that, the goalies for the Texas Stars and the Milwaukee Admirals uh, duked it out last night. So an entertaining night in the AHL, less so in the NHL from the Winnipeg. Chicago Wolves goalie, by the way, fought uh, Moose captain Jimmy Olney as well. There you go. So there was fights. And uh, and And scored a goal. Fights here, there, and everywhere. Thanks for everyone for joining us. We'll see you later on tonight. If it's Saturday, it's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, live on YouTube and all of our social media platforms.
Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.